Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday morning filling in for Big Daddy Graham. Plenty of things that we need to get to throughout the course of the show tonight. Uh, We'll get to the Phillies a little later on as they continue to make roster cuts, um, including a very notable demotion on Sunday afternoon uh, as they send Scott Kingery down to the minors slash alternate alternate site, whatever you want to call it. Um, So we'll get to that and all the fallout from it. Um, You know, also some sound from the broadcast Sunday. I was engineering the game on Sunday with the guys in, a booth, in the booth, a little three-man booth uh, for a couple innings as L.A. joined um, with uh, Scott and Kevin Franzen. And uh, I believe it was the bottom of the fifth, a very interesting you know, conversation in regards to um, everybody's favorite you know, starter, now reliever Vince Velasquez. Uh, they talked about Reese Hoskins' comments that he made with Joe DeCameron and John Ritchie last week. Uh, about the Phillies being overlooked. So some interesting things from from those guys during the broadcast that I want to get to a little later on. Uh, we'll get to the Sixers and the moves being made around the NBA because they're pretty telling, I think, in terms of what the league thinks about the 76ers when you look at what the Nets are doing, what the Lakers are doing. Um, so we'll get to that later on. Um, but what we need to start with, And this is my first time on the air since it happened. And of course, I'm referring to the big trade that the Eagles made last week. Early Friday afternoon, late Friday morning, right in that that time frame is when it went down. I was asleep following my shift uh, on Thursday night, as I was mentioning to Ricky during the crossover. Um, You know, my new routine is I'll work my overnight shift get home around 7 a.m. If I'm lucky enough to have, you know, a half hour to myself, uh, that would be, that, that, that's nice. But depending on when the baby wakes up, wife brings the baby down. Um, she goes back up to bed for a little bit and gets some sleep. And I'm on, I'm on uh, baby duty for a few hours. So, uh, you know, go to bed around 9, 30, 10 o'clock, wake up. And I wake up 
to a text from my brother, and he's asking what I think of the move. And I'm like, what's he talking about? I hadn't spoken to him in a few days, so I think he's asking me about the George Hill trade, which I think is kind of odd. I'm like, yeah, that's I, I didn't think that's something my brother would text me about is wanting my my hot George Hill takes um, because you know. It, it's not groundbreaking news. Sixers acquired George Hill. That's what I thought he was referring to as the as the move. I'm like, really? This is something he's going to text me about? Plus, how hot can the takes get two days later? Can't really get that hot. Right. Well, well, this was one day later. The George Hill uh, trade was on Thursday. My, my mistake. You're right. It was. But but still, I mean, it's George Hill. Um, you know, George Hill. I like to imagine. We were joking about this last week. I like to imagine George Hill on trade deadline day every year. He just goes to the airport and he's just sitting at departures. Waiting for, you know, where he's going to go. Because he knows he's going to get traded. He's waiting with, uh, what's Kramer's friend's name? Yeah, Earl Hafner. Yeah, right. Earl Hafler, I think. Uh, can you, Like, I just imagine him sitting there waiting to be told where to go. But I thought my brother was texting me about that, about the George Hill trade. But um, he says, no, the Eagles trade. And at that point, I don't know what he's talking about. So I hop on Twitter and get filled in that the Eagles have traded the number six pick in this year's draft to the Dolphins following their trade out of three for the number 12 pick and an additional first next year. Also some jockeying in the mid and late rounds. I believe the what the Eagles traded a fifth for a fourth, something like that. So, you know, that that's the trade the Eagles made. And it's an interesting move to evaluate for a number of different reasons. I mean, on one hand, I get why there is some level of disappointment among the fan base. I do. I understand it. We, we've talked a lot already about the possibilities at number six and the fact that there would assuredly be players there at positions of need for the Eagles, no doubt about it. Whether it be Jamar Chase, the stud receiver from LSU, who I liked a lot, and I would have certainly like to see in an Eagles uniform. Or Devontae Smith, the receiver from Alabama, who, I mean, I'm not going to rule out the fact that he could be there at 12, but he'd definitely likely be there at 6. Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida, local kid um, from Abington and Archbishop Wood, who people have talked about. Sewell, the tackle from Oregon, who seems like a stud. Patrick Sertan, the corner from Alabama, who is widely regarded as the best cornerback in this year's draft. Trey Lance, if that was the way the Eagles wanted to go, that maybe, you know, if he's not a guy that goes in the top three or four, maybe he could fall to you at six and you end up getting a quarterback at that spot. You know, we talked about it, and there's no doubt that at least a few of those players would have been available to you at the number six spot. Players of value at positions that you have holes. And I get why moving down is disappointing to people. I understand that. But all offseason, we have talked about the Eagles changing and pivoting with their philosophy. You know, looking at the long term as opposed to to the short term. I mean, they talked about it. Howie Roseman talked about it the day after the season when he did that odd 
press conference looking back where he's sitting next to Doug Peterson who was fired a few days later. Jeffrey Lurie talked about it in his press conference when he fired Doug Peterson. This transition from the short-term approach to long-term team building, restocking the talent pool from 1 to 53 on this Eagles roster. And we've talked about the issues that this team has as far as the roster is concerned. And as I told Ricky during the crossover, the bottom line is with the Philadelphia Eagles right now that they are much further than just one player away from changing their fortunes and returning to being a Super Bowl contender. We all know that. In many ways, they are absolutely to blame for that. Like, I'm not telling you that the Eagles are absolved of blame. I'm not telling you that they are victims uh, in, in, in any way. They are in many ways, Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, culpable for what has happened and the state that this roster is in right now. Whether it is poor drafting. I mean, we we don't need to go over the litany of poor draft picks over the last couple of years. We've gone over it a billion times. Whether it be Dillard in the first round and trading up to get him. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside over D.K. Metcalf. Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. You know, we have gone over the draft record a number of times here. The bad contracts. You know, bringing back older players. Trying to keep the band together, so to speak, rather than overhaul this roster. Rather than take a different approach and get younger. Mortgaging picks like they did all those years ago with Carson Wentz. The Eagles have put themselves in this position. But now that you are in this position, the best way to get out of it is by acquiring assets. Like you see it in any sport, whether it be basketball and what Sam Hinkie did, acquiring all these assets to, in the end, get the Sixers to a point where they could get legitimate star players and legitimately rebuild their team. In NFL, it's a little different. Same in the terms of acquiring assets and acquiring picks. But in the NFL, you know, the volume of it matters. The best way to get out of it is by acquiring assets, acquiring picks. And for this team, the situation they are in right now, this is absolutely the right move for the Eagles organization. And, uh, you know, Ricky had asked me during the crossover, was I shocked by this? I wasn't shocked at all. I always thought this was a legitimate possibility and in some ways a probability that the Eagles would evaluate the situation they are in right now, that they have spoken at length this offseason about needing to look at the long term, about needing to have a wide view of where they are and where they are going, that they would need a number of picks. They would need a number of players. They would need a number of assets in order to rebuild this football team. And the easiest way to do that The quickest way to do that and the best way to do that is to trade down from that sixth-round pick. So, no, I wasn't shocked. I kind of expected this. And 
when you have these assets, whether it is making the picks themselves, using them to acquire players, because, you know, we just talk about these picks as, oh, well, they can't draft. They're just going to waste these picks. Well, it doesn't mean you can't necessarily trade these picks for players who are established and players who you do believe in. That's also a possibility. That you can use these picks to get more picks, as we just saw the Eagles do. This is how you rebuild, and this is how you rebuild quickly in the NFL. When you look at teams in this league, like the Cleveland Browns, like some of these other teams that have found a way to effectively rebuild, teams that have been in the basin, they don't rebuild their organization and have success at rebuilding because they hit on every pick. Like, I know we make it out like, you know, the Eagles have had all these horrible misses, and they have. They've had some really bad misses. But every team does have misses. The reason a team like that has been able to rebuild is not because they've hit on all their picks. It's because they've had so many picks that they can afford to miss. That's part of the problem the Eagles have run into, is they have not had the amount of picks that have allowed them to overcome their misses. It's why their misses have been so magnified over the last couple years. And when I look at the grand scheme and I look at the bigger picture here, this is the right move for the Philadelphia Eagles. This is a smart move for this organization. And I know people wanted the big-time name. I know people wanted the flashy receiver, you know, uh, the, 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 the guy that would come in and they think make an impact immediately. But this is a team that is much more than one player away. And what Howie Roseman did on Friday was the right thing for the Philadelphia Eagles, whether people want to admit it or not. It was the right move. It was a smart move. And it only confirms to me that the Eagles are approaching this offseason the right way. You know, this is what everybody wanted them to do, I thought, is look at the long term. Why do they keep doing stuff, you know, to, to, try, to, to try to cut corners? They're not cutting corners. They are legitimately rebuilding while I believe being able to stay competitive. I don't think this is going to be this dumpster fire of a disaster season that most people do. But your thoughts on the trade, that's where I want to start tonight. I like it. This is a smart move. This is the right move. And while people might be frustrated and wanted the big name at number six, the best way for the Eagles to rebuild, move down six slots where historically drafts, draft results will tell you the difference between six and 12 is not all that significant in terms of what level of player you're getting, to pick up an extra first-round pick in the process is the right thing to do. It is absolutely a smart move. We don't know what the Miami Dolphins are going to be this year. If Tua stinks again next year, that could be a pick in the mid-teens. That's not necessarily going to be a pick in the 20s. If Carson Wentz sucks again this year, That could be a pick that is in the teens and not in the 20s. 
considering the Eagles, who people will just assume are going to be awful, that could be in the top 10. You could be looking at three first-round picks in the top half of the first round. I don't know how you can argue against that being a smart move for a team that is in the situation the Eagles are in. When you were looking long-term, these are the kind of moves you make. These are the kind of moves you have to make. It's why a team like Miami has been able to rebuild. They've acquired assets. They've had volume. And they've turned that volume into success. That's what the Eagles are trying to do. And it's the right move. It's the right approach. And what the Eagles did on Friday, while maybe not being popular, was the right thing for the organization. There's no doubt in my mind. 215-592-9494-215-592-9494. If you want to get in, open lines to start the show. I, I, I figured this would be an interesting one tonight because this is a polarizing team and this is a polarizing person making the decisions. And we will get into that, that aspect of all this when we get back in regards to Howie Roseman. Because you can look at the move and you can disagree with the move, and that's fine. But I think there there's a scenario that's being played out right now where people aren't fairly evaluating this move because of the way they feel about the person making the decisions. And we'll get to that when we return. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Monday morning. What are your thoughts on this trade right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP? Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. Kicking off another week on this Monday morning. It is um, opening day week. Uh, we're we're just days away from opening day. Uh, we'll have, you know, we're doing a baseball preview show planned on Wednesday into Thursday. We'll we'll get it started maybe a little bit tonight. I I, I did not do my predictions yet as I as I meant to. So um, I, I'll try to I'll try to get that done. Have you done your predictions yet, Mike? Are you all? Ready to go for MLB season? Have you dissected the rosters and the depth charts and all that stuff? Looked at the spin rates and the exit velocities from <laughs> yeah, you know, the grapefruit and cactus leagues? I'm still cleaning up loose ends. Like during the break, I was I was I found myself in amazement that Pete Cosma is still around because that guy stinks. And it, I is he a utility player for the Cards? Cardinals, yeah, yeah. The uh, the o- the Oakland A's just cut him. Uh, I just I can't believe he was still around. But yeah, so I'm just, little stuff like that. But I've I've actually I've peeked at some over unders to, to take a look at. Didn't, oh, yeah, we'll have to look at some over unders, some uh, futures to look. Yeah, at. didn't necessarily do my full fledged one through five standings yet, but I'll get there. Maybe I'll do it this hour. I did mine for the AL West, so we can maybe do that. Um, you know, it makes sense why I started there. I yeah, well I I start from the back and go forward, like because I don't I'm not really that interested in the American League, so I'll do the American League first. Divisional picks, playoff picks, and then I'll get to the the NL later on. I save the NL East for last. Kind of a weird, weird well, thing. I mean, to your do. two favorite teams are out there. So yeah, it's kind of kind of the way I eat my food. Like I don't know uh, if anybody else has weird eating habits like this, but I always I'm obsessed with leaving like the best part for last. Like if I get a burger and fries, I will eat all the fries first, 
and save the burger hmm. for last. Um, so, that, so the take being that fries are better than yeah. I mean, burgers better than fries. Yeah, of course, of course. It's the main. It's the main yeah, it's the part of the meal. Yeah. But uh, and you know, just looking at at some of the depth charts, and and we were texting earlier today. I guess I I kind of you know uh, this was I don't know wrong of me, but kind of embarrassing that that I didn't know you were we Danny Jackson had come up in conversation between us, and I didn't know who Danny Jackson was. I is that. You know, a name that I should know. Not real. I don't blame you for it. Like he, he was, he was an entertaining player. I don't think he was like, like you're not gonna. It's not like you should know him from like looking at record books or anything. You so know, you said he was center fielder, right? <laughs> no, he was, I, wait, he's a pitcher. He's number four starter. Okay, all right, I, I, I'm, I'm, I just, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I, I missed that part of you Phillies know baseball. I stand correct. He, I don't remember this. He did make an All Star team with the Phillies. In 94. Well, oh, I mean... Well, it was a season that didn't end, so I right. guess it doesn't count. And making an all-star team, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, look at some of the guys who made all-star teams. I mean, Don Brown made an all-star team. The Shaq. O'Double. Shaq's mean, it, made two. It's not like... Not with the Phillies, though, right? No, I just one with the Phillies. Okay. But it's not like, you know... in ba- Baseball, I think, is the least... Is no, the football. least impressive all-star team. Jameis made one in football. It's football. Did he really? Yeah. Wow. That's pretty... That's pretty bad. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk some Phillies coming up here with opening day, uh, just, a, a couple days away and only one roster spot really up for grabs at this point. Um, it's the decision in center field. And, you know, I guess, are we sure that Hazley's starting the year on the DL? Like, is that a, a definite situation? Because, uh, you know, if it's that's the case, definite. okay, well then, you know, the Eagle or the Phillies have a decision to make between Odubel Herrera, Adam Hazley, Roman Quinn. Aside from that, the rest of the roster looks set. Um, Scott Kingery is not on it. We'll get into that a little deeper um, later on in the show. But if you want to join and talk about the the Scott Kingery situation, you're welcome to because um, man, what a disaster that has been for the Phillies since signing him to that contract that everybody was raving about at the time uh, doesn't look great in retrospect. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Open line, start the show. But starting off talking about the Eagles' big trade. As they move down from number 6 in the draft to number 12. And I get why people are disappointed. I get wanting, you know, the big name. The Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, Devontae Smith. One of these guys. I understand it. But, like, we need to be realistic about where this team is at and understand that as they've been telling us, I mean, this shouldn't be surprising to anybody considering the way the Eagles have been talking all off season. This should be, should have been expected. I mean, this is a team that has emphasized that they are taking a long-term view that they view their next window from 2022 and beyond. I mean, when you take a $30-plus million cap hit to get rid of a quarterback, I wouldn't say you're necessarily throwing this year in the trash because I don't think they're doing that, but the Eagles obviously are not prioritizing this year as being a contender. And if you're looking in the long term, the best way to build is to move down, to acquire more picks, and to give yourselves more bites at the apple. And... While I get people 
are disappointed in not having that top six pick. I do think there is a certain level of bias here that is not allowing people to fairly evaluate the situation. And when I look at that, it has to do with Howie Rosen. And it is clouding people's judgment in regards to this move. Because the amount of angst and anger that I have seen about this trade is really kind of absurd to me. I mean, it's crazy. And I get, like I said, I get that there is a guy at six that you might have wanted, and that aspect of it is disappointing for sure. Trading down is never sexy, it's never appealing, it's never really exciting. And if you disagree, and you would have gone a different way, that's fine. I'm not going to even tell you you're wrong. I mean, you could be right. Nobody knows how this is all going to play out. But you can objectively... How can you objectively look at this move, rather, and say definitively that this is some awful trade? Because I am seeing so many people, oh, how he's got to go, look at him ruining this team. What an awful deal. It is not an awful deal. When you, If you say that, it is absolutely biased nonsense. I mean, I'm seeing reaction from people like, I'm done with this team. I can't stand it. I can't be an Eagles fan anymore. What a horrible thing they have done to us. What a horrible thing they are doing to the fan base. If you feel that way, you're out of your mind. If you disagree, fine. But you at least must be able to understand and appreciate the logic in this decision. Because there is absolutely reasonable logic in this move from the Eagles' perspective. Moving down six spots to get a future first-round pick for a team that needs picks, needs players at multiple positions, is certainly, at the very least, logical. You know, you might not agree with it, but to say it doesn't make any sense is just stupid, quite frankly. And you can not like Howie Rosen. You can call him a weasel. You can call him a pencil pusher, a nerd, whatever you want. You hear all the all the names all the time about Howie because the way he looks and the way he talks and, you know, it doesn't exude football guy. Even though Howie, I mean, like he and Nick Sirianni, they're just two guys that love, love ball. I mean, they love ball. 100%, man. I mean, they, 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 they love talking ball. They love watching ball. And that's, you know... That's what they're about in the Eagles. Coaches all ball all the time. There you go. Then what, what more do you want than that? But you cannot argue with what he has done this offseason. And so far, Howie Roseman has done a tremendous job. And if you want to get in, 215-592-9494. If you want to join, 215-592-9494. And I want to hear from the Howie haters out there. Because it's just so exhausting and ridiculous. Like, I get frustration. I get if you disagree with the move, but to say it doesn't make any sense and it's idiotic, that's idiotic. That's ridiculous. Howie Roseman, like think about it this way. I I was thinking about this the other day and it's kind of, it's kind of crazy when you, when you uh, evaluate it. He has found a way 
going into this offseason with very little asset-wise. Admittedly, partially his fault. I mean, in many ways, his fault. Regardless, this is the situation you're in, and this is why Howie remained here, because Jeffrey Lurie was confident that he could work the Eagles out of the jam that they were in, regardless of who got them in it. But he's gone into an offseason here with very little asset-wise. To turn, he found a way this offseason to turn the worst quarterback in football last season in Carson Wentz, who he was. I mean, you could call and, and argue, somebody's arguing with me, Cam Newton, no. Carson Wentz was the worst quarterback in football last year. And it's really not close. You look at the metrics, you look at the sacks, you look at the intercepted passes, you look at the interceptable passes, that Carson Wentz could have actually had a lot more picks than he did have um, because he threw the ball in the harm's way a lot. Worst quarterback in the NFL last year. Guy stunk. It's terrible. He turned that player and a meaningless loss in Week 17 into two future first-round picks. Like, if that's not good general managing, if that's not good, you know, um, way to turn your assets into more assets and the way to pretty much turn nothing into something, I don't know what is. The hate is insane at this point. It's why I was okay with how he's staying. Because overall, as much as people don't want to admit it and are frustrated because this team had one bad year after going to the playoffs three years in a row, winning a Super Bowl in 2017, the guy is good at his job as a whole. He is. And I trust Howie Roseman to rebuild this thing. And again, I'm not here to defend his draft record, and I'll preface, I'll preface it every time because everybody will call in and freak out about, you know, uh, how he did this, how he did that, look at the drafts. I understand they have had some bad drafts. They have missed on some high-profile picks. But when you look at the totality, which people never want to do with Howie, they never want to look at all aspects of the job. And when you take it all into account, He is a good executive, and he is good at his job. And this situation that he is in now are the situations that he thrives in when he can rebuild, when he can work this team out of a jam. He's done it before. He did it back in 2016 when Chip Kelly left this organization in ruins. Howie Roseman did it in essentially one offseason. This is much more how he's doing. But look at what he has been able to do so far in a matter of months. Turn the worst quarterback in the league and a meaningless loss that people were outraged about at the time, how dumb does that look now, into two future first-round picks. How you can hate on that How you can say, you know, this guy's an idiot and he's incompetent and he doesn't know what he's doing is just crazy to me. Acquiring assets to restock the cupboard. This offseason, this rebuild is off to a perfect start. You know, it's not Howie's fault that this team was screwed over 
by a petulant child at the quarterback position. I mean, that, that is there any doubt they were they were they were screwed way more by Carson Wentz than they were by Howie Roseman? I mean, if Carson Wentz plays at an average level last year, they probably win the division, and he's probably still here. And people aren't calling for Howie's job anyway, and Doug's probably still here. But people want to blame Howie Roseman for everything, and it clouds their judgment. It doesn't allow you to properly evaluate what this team is doing and what Howie's doing. Because we get conditioned to do certain things, just like we've been conditioned over years to, it's not Carson's fault, throws a pick, not Carson's fault, takes a sack, not Carson's fault. It's the line. Look at that line. It's the receivers. It's Howie. It's somebody else. It's Doug. Not calling the right plays. Not rolling them out. Can't be Carson. Just like we were conditioned to make excuses for him, we've been conditioned to blame everything on Howie Rosen. Does he deserve a level of blame? Absolutely. Is he perfect? Absolutely not. But does he do a lot of things well as an executive? Yes, he does. And it's why the Eagles, who went into this offseason with very little asset-wise, very little in terms of a future, which that was the big thing coming into this offseason, is, oh, they they don't only not have anything for this year. They're screwed for years down the line. Well, look at it now. Following this season, they will have a ton of cap space. They have three first round picks next year. They have the most picks of any team in the NFL in this year's draft. How would you evaluate it? Like, how can you tell me at this point that he has not done a good job so far this offseason? You might not like Howie Rosen. You don't have to. But when will we start evaluating him fairly in this town? Because he's a good general manager. As much as people don't want to admit it, because people don't like to admit they're wrong. They don't like to admit that this belief that Howie Roseman is, is, is you know, the sole thing wrong with the Eagles, just not true. The main thing that was wrong with the Eagles is in Indianapolis now. And it's their problem. And now Howie can rebuild with a, a quarterback who's not a, little, not a little baby and a team, you know, that can honestly look to move forward here. It's great. I heard a, a caller recently complaining, like, ah, oh, Howie's had 10 years to figure this stuff out. He still hasn't figured it out. He hasn't figured it out yet. And then they did jo- win a Super Bowl jo- three years right, ago, right? John and Ike were like, 10 years. He won a Super Bowl three and a half years ago. Yeah, and that was cleaning up a mess left by, you know, Gus's boy, Chip Kelly. Uh, you know, Chip Kelly did, tore apart this roster. Howie built it back up. And yeah, has he made mistakes over the last couple of years? Sure. But, I mean, Mike, I mean, is the, what do you think of the job Howie's done so far this year? I mean, uh, and it doesn't surprise me that Howie haters don't want to chime in. It's a rough mm-hmm. beat for them right now. Well, I don't like the coach, but I don't know if that's him or Laurie, Mr. right, Mister Laurie, I should say. And and you know we don't we don't know about Nick yet. He loves ball. That's a good start. Coach is all uh-huh. ball all the time. I'll say that. Yeah. He, you know, he wants but, guys that love ball. That's the most important thing. But I do like the trade. Obviously, I like the continued wizardry of uh, the uh, the salary cap. Yeah, how could you not? That's a win-win for everyone. And, um, yeah, I mean, I like the fact that, as uh, you pointed out, uh, that he kind of kept the veterans around. Like, he convinced the veterans to stick around. And right. Kind of 
you know, continue to be the faces of the franchise. And that's another, like, that's another thing too. And I get like, there's, you know, financial aspects and personal aspects involved in this. Guys might not want to uproot, but like, if things were really that bad with Howie in this organization, would guys like Jason Kelsey and Brandon Graham really be no. that enthusiastic about coming back and no. finishing their careers here? Like Jason Kelsey could have gone presumably. I mean, Kansas city has issues on their offensive line. Jason Kelsey could have gone to Kansas city, played with his brother, played for Andy Reid, who he loves and competed for a super bowl this year, playing with Patrick Mahomes. Instead, he decided to stay here. That's got to speak to the state of this organization. That's not nearly as dysfunctional as, as it's been made out to be. Right. Yeah, and Graham's a rotational player. He could have he could throw himself in any you know pass rush you know situation and, and been fine. So right. yeah, I mean both of them obviously wanted to come back. Yeah, and you know you look at it, and I know people don't like Howie, but you can't argue with results. And the results right now is he came into an off season with basically nothing to work with. Now has the most picks of any team this year in the draft. Has a ton of cap space after twenty twenty one. Now that they've gotten rid of that plague of a contract and plague of a player in Carson Wentz locker room cancer if you ask me and also three first round picks next year I don't know how you argue with it I don't know how you hate on him he's done a great job so far this offseason 215-592-9494 if you want to get in 215-592-9494 that is how you join the show I want to hear from the Howie haters not surprised that we haven't gotten calls on him because you know, people only want to call when they can bash out. When they got to take the L, uh, they don't really enjoy it too much. But if you want to jump in, uh, you are welcome to at 215-592-9494. When we get back, I do have a social media gripe for you that kind of involves the Sixers a little bit and um, why I am feeling uh, pretty good about where they're at right now. We'll do that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham on a Monday morning. And, uh, Mike, it's time for a social media gripe of the day. But, Mike, you alerted me during the break that you have a gripe of your own today. Uh, what is your social media gripe? So, a Spurs-related account. It looks like it's like their, um, kind of like their Liberty Ballers. It's called Spurs Nation. Spurs Nation, at Spurs Nation CP. Yes. I believe you handed me this during the break. Uh, yeah, so Lonnie Walker, a guard for them. He's actually local from Reading, I believe. Okay. He's Maryland, out. right? Uh, no, believe Miami. So. Miami. Are you sure? No, Miami. Okay. All right. Um, Jim Larry pretty sure. is the coach. Yeah, right. George Mason. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but Walker is going to be out for about a week with a wrist injury. So, you know, pretty mild injury, I'd say, right? Mm-hmm. So Spurs Nation tweeted, Spurs Nation, let's all wish Lonnie Walker the fourth a speedy recovery. And then with a graphic that says "rest up, Lonnie," right. <laughs> and like his head's down, it's looking—he's yes. looking very sad. Yeah, like it's—you think he has like you know something serious, right? Wrong. Um, but yes, Lonnie Walker found this tweet himself, and he quote tweeted saying, "All oh, this for a wrist." I almost said "R.I.P. my damn self." Yeah, it's it, no, it—it <laughs> it seems way over the top for a wrist injury, and you said this is expected to keep him out a week, right? It actually wow. says on the graphic. <laughs> like, wow! Yeah, after that, it says rest up. Oh, yeah, it does say that. 
Yeah, that's a that that's way over the top. That's a good gripe. Uh, that that that's a poor job by the Spurs Nation account. Um, but it's not affiliated with the team, correct? No, I okay. wish it was. That'd be a better controversy. Yeah, that would have been much. That would but it's still pretty funny, uh, nevertheless. So uh, that was a good one. My social media gripe also had to do with the NBA, and it's when people will start making these dumb jokes, like, and th- this happens. Um, when LaMarcus Aldridge got signed by the Nets and, you know, because they've been signing just a bunch of like high profile name players lately. Like, you know, they signed Blake Griffin a couple weeks ago. They were in the mix for Drummond, even though they didn't get him, but they signed LaMarcus Aldridge. And then, you know, everybody's got to make a joke about, well, who are the Nets going to sign next? Like, and then it's like, my cat is signing with the Brooklyn Nets or something like that. It's like, shut up. Like, we don't need everybody you know, making the same joke about the Nets signing like old players. Everybody wants to jump in at the last second and, you know, get their little joke off about who the Nets are signing. That reminds me of a similar trend. Do you remember a couple of years ago when everyone made the joke that they were resigning to join the Athletic? Yes, that's a good one. <laughs> like, yeah, when people do a certain thing and everybody's got to get in on the joke, it's like just, just you know, back off. You don't. Everybody doesn't need to jump on the same exact joke. So that's my social media gripe. When LaMarcus Aldridge signs with the Nets, and they're, well, I wonder who they'll sign next. Like, this guy's signing with the Nets. You know, uh, my dog is signing with the Nets. Something stupid like I'll that. do a search for that. I'll come up with some of the best ones. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just annoying. So um, that is my social media gripe. But off of that, I did want to, you know, touch on this because I don't, we were kind of talking about it before the show a little bit. This Nets vibe, so to speak, I don't know. I'm starting to get the feeling that this thing might not work. Like, just the way that they are just signing some of these, you know, big-name guys, I don't know how it's all going to fit together. Like, where does LaMarcus Aldridge fit with the Nets? Like, did why did they sign him? You know, I don't know... Where exactly he fits in. I guess he just gets the minutes that Blake Griffin was going to get. I mean, I think now, you know, like, Blake Griffin's got to be the most annoyed person where he could have gone somewhere and maybe gotten minutes. Doesn't he just take Blake's minutes now? Yeah, he's just a better Blake. Like, if if Blake Griffin got bought out today and they, like, already had LaMarcus Aldridge, I don't think they would sign Blake. No, I don't, and I don't think he'd want to sign there. But it kind of speaks to a bigger picture here, I think where you look at and you see the Nets going out and signing LaMarcus Aldridge. And Andre Drummond gets bought out. He ends up signing with the Lakers. And I don't know. To me, I look at it, and it tells me something about what the league thinks of the Sixers right now. Because all these teams are loading up trying to acquire big men. And you know what that is. They are preparing for Joel Embiid. Like, they're preparing for an eventual matchup with Joel Embiid. Where you want to be able to throw bodies at him. Because nobody has anybody that could guard Joel Embiid this year. Joel Embiid was unguardable this year. Even look at game game against the Lakers. The guy who's always giving him trouble, Mark Gasol, and Anthony Davis on that team. Neither of them had any chance against Joel Embiid. And I think this rush for big men, when you see the Lakers going out and adding Drummond, the Nets adding Aldridge, these are teams that are looking 
to uh, th- that are preparing for an eventual matchup with Joel Embiid. And it tells me that there is a fear there amongst teams in this league uh, of stopping him. Now, we'll see if he comes back healthy in the next couple weeks, um, or in the next week or so, rather. Uh, you know, we talked about it the other night. I think maybe this weekend, probably more realistically, uh, they probably just hold him out till Tuesday night, the 6th against Boston, is probably what is the more realistic thing, even though now the fans are in the stands and Joel hasn't had the chance to play in front of the crowd of the Wells Fargo Center yet. I'm sure he'll try to push to get in the lineup for one of those home games over the weekend. But when you see these teams loading up on big men, that's my read on it, is that they are preparing for an eventual matchup with the Sixers and Joel Embiid. And these teams know they don't have anybody who can guard them, especially Brooklyn. You look at Brooklyn, um, you know, do they have a lot of firepower offensively? Absolutely. But that is not a good defensive team, and they have nobody who can deal with Joel Embiid. Uh, And that's the case for for a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference, especially right now. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Let's get Greg and Shalfon in here. What's up, Greg? Hey, how's it going, TK? Uh, Congratulations on your newest edition. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Um, You wanted a Howie hater. You got one. And with regards to the move dropping back from the sixth spot, I'm not opposed to it. I like it. I think that you can read into it and see a couple of different things. I think the long-term view is there. But I really think that this is another way for Howie to preserve himself. Um, In the sixth spot, I feel like that there's way more pressure on him to absolutely nail the pick. This might give him a little bit more wiggle room. And the additional picks helps him down the road as well. Well, yeah, I, I hear you, Greg. But the reason I disagree with that is I think it, you know, at six, it is easier to nail that pick than it is at 12. Like, if you're at six, there are going to be guys there who I think you'd look at as no doubt about it, um, players at that spot. Uh, you know, I think it gets a little more clatter when you go down to 12, but I think this is much more about doing what's right for the team than, than job preservation. I see your point, but I don't think that's the main motivation here. I think that you're right with that he, it's easier to nail the sixth spot, but look at Howie's history. I mean, you can't deny the fact that he has missed so frequently with spots. Like, look what happened with the Rager pick, where he should have taken Jefferson. There is that possibility that they'll have that we're the smartest people in the room mentality again at 12 and do the same kind of thing. No, I got you, Greg. And and there, I mean, there's validity to what you're saying. Like, the, the draft record, I'm not defending. And obviously, over the last couple of years, they've missed on a lot of picks. But I, I almost think for a team that struggles to draft and is missed on picks... You know, I like the idea of adding volume. You look at teams like Cleveland and Miami and and these teams who have rebuilt through the draft, it's not that they've hit on every pick. It's that they've had so many picks, they've been able to, you know, absorb those misses a little better. I think the bigger issue for the Eagles is they haven't had um, uh, as many picks the last couple years. That's been a much bigger issue in my mind, and it's magnified their misses. No, that I agree with, and I think that, this is finally the right approach to build through the draft as opposed to going out in free agency or retaining veteran players and kick the can down the road with their salaries. Mm-hmm. Those are moves I'm not 
always happy with. Um, but maybe, just maybe, this will be the year where, you know, we get some draft picks to pan out that can contribute immediately, a couple of projects that develop. And then, you know, I don't have a problem with how he's staying if, if he starts to get these sort of things right. But the kick and can down the road mentality and, uh, you know, let's see what we can buy this year, um, that just doesn't work for me. So this might be his last hurrah. It may not be, but we'll see, I guess. Yeah, no, no, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it, man. Uh, appreciate the call. And yeah, I, I think you know we'll see how it all plays out. But I mean, I mean, I how he said he's not worried about his job. I don't think he is worried about his job. And I really don't think this is a job preservation play here. I think this is trying to do what he believed was best for the franchise and the organization. And you know, you might not like Howie, but but I I think, and you might not even agree with the move. And I'm not saying you have to agree with this decision because there would have been good players at six. All I'm saying is I don't know how people don't see the logic in it because it is absolutely logical. And, you know, when you view it objectively, you can at least see where they're coming from and you can at least see the value of moving down six spots where there will still be good players at 12. Like, this is actually a pretty deep, Top of the first round, in my mind. Um, move down six spots, you get an additional first next year. It's hard to argue against the logic of that when you look at it. Uh, yeah, well, I was just going to say, like, there some of the Howie drafting, yes, there's validity to it. But, like, I don't know. Like, the coaching staff wanting, like, Rager over Jefferson just because of the slot thing and wanting him on the outside. Like, why, like, why is that Howie... All of a sudden, like being the smartest guy in the room, like I don't, I, I don't understand that. Right. Fatigue. Well, it's, I mean, it's it's people want to blame Howie for a lot, and, and in that regard, I, I'm not going to defend him because he is the GM, you know, and he should be able to overrule, um, you know, coaches and and people in that spot. I mean, there was that report that the owner was obsessed with that next gen statistic from the Super Bowl and wanted speed, and that he wanted Rager and. I don't know exactly where every pick has come from, but I think it's fair yeah. to hold Howie responsible for the draft record. But yeah. I see where you're coming from. But also, I want him to be the smartest guy in the room. like <laughs> Not the 17th smartest guy in the room. Right. I mean, it's just hard to argue that when they missed on picks. But yeah. I think adding value, or adding vol- volume, rather, uh, is the right way to go for a team that struggled to draft. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Open lines if you want to join the show. I see Mike in South Philly there. We'll get the mic when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham on a Monday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. A lot of Eagles talk thus far, talking about the big trade as Eagles move down from 6 to 12 in the draft. I'm sure they'll be talking about that a lot on the morning show today. Angelo's back. I wonder what what their take's going to be on on, uh, how we moving down in the draft. Uh, I like it. As I said, um, I think it's the right move for the team. And I get why people be frustrated with it. I do. I, I I get wanting to stay at six where you're going to get 
a bigger name, a flashier player. And do I know this is going to be the right thing? No, I don't. But you look at the assets you acquire now, and you look at what Howie Roseman has done this offseason, I think it's been damn impressive. When you went into this offseason with literally nothing to work with, and yes, I understand a large part of that is on him. I would say most of it is on the fact that they got, you know, kind of screwed over, for lack of a better term, by a quarterback who mentally and physically imploded and, you know, kind of made them scrap all their plans. Like, I think that was the bigger issue. So be it, though. You go into an offseason, Howie Roseman has been able to spin that quarterback, who was the worst in the league last year, and a Week 17 meaningless loss into two future first-round picks, create a ton of cap space beyond this season, and acquire more picks in this draft than anybody else. And, yeah, I get that the draft record um, doesn't give you a ton of confidence, but you look at how other teams in this league have rebuilt effectively. It's not because they hit on all their picks. It's because they have a lot of them, and they can absorb the misses. The Eagles' issues are much more about not having enough picks to overcome their misses than they are the misses themselves. Doesn't excuse the mistakes they've made, but having more picks is a good thing. Like, I, I, I don't know how that's controversial. And you may not agree with it, but I certainly think you need to see the logic in it. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Mike in South Philly. What's up, Mike? Yeah, how's it going, Tom? What's going on, man? You know, when I saw the, the trade news the other day, I felt like one of my best friends got kidnapped. It was the ultimate kick to the gut. One of the most, the biggest kicks, kicks, ugh, kicks to the gut I've ever had as a Philadelphia sports fan. I've been fantasizing about Jamar Chase being in an Eagles uniform for well over a year. Um, when I saw the news that the Dolphins traded out, I thought it was a reality. I, I mean, I thought it was going to be a reality before that anyway, because I always projected him to be there at six. Um, and then it was like a kick to the gut. And it really was the final straw for me with this organization. Um, you know, I, never in my life have I ever had the opportunity for one of my, one of my, you know, one of the Philadelphia teams to draft my favorite collegiate player. There have been a few times where they drafted the guy I considered the best collegiate player, you know, like a Ben Simmons or an Allen Iverson, although Iverson didn't turn out to be the best in that class. So you could probably say Kobe, but regardless, at the time, I figured they were the best, but you know, very few times, or if any, had one of the Philadelphia teams had a chance to draft my favorite collegiate player. And Jamar Chase might be my favorite college football player of all time. And that's just another thing that Howie Roseman has stolen from me. You know, honestly, Tom, at this point, it's personal for me now. Like, it's not just a little Philadelphia sports uh, dislike. Like, I genuinely resent Howie Roseman. Like, if I ran into him on the street and he stuck at, you know, stuck at his uh, hand to shake it, I would not shake his hand. Um, he has robbed and stolen from me everything I love about NFL football. You know, I don't even look forward to the seasons anymore. Like this past season, I didn't even set my alarm on game days. Now, I'm usually up at that time anyway, but, you know, sometimes I deal with insomnia and I can't sleep, so I set my alarm. I stopped doing that because I honestly didn't care if I got up in time for the games anymore. I don't look forward to free agents anymore. I don't look forward to the draft anymore. That dude has stolen 
every ounce of everything I love about NFL football. And the one chance I had to get something back that would have bringing me immense joy, he robbed that from me too. And like I, I told Trev the other day, I am not watching another Eagles game until he's gone. I am done with this organization. Cross my heart. I will not watch. I don't care if Howie Roseman's here for another 20 years. I will not watch another Eagles game. They will not get another penny of my money until Harry Roseman is fired. I mean, Mike, has it really been that bad though? Like, like honestly, and yeah. and I mean, for me and like, like I, really though. I mean, for me and half. And I get, you know, they weren't great the years they went to the playoffs. But seriously, I mean, that, last year was the first year they didn't make the playoffs after three straight appearances. And a Super Bowl. I mean, it hasn't been that bad. Mark. No, well, the, the Super Bowl been. year was the one anomaly where it was the most amazing year ever. But honestly, I haven't enjoyed watching Eagles football for like a decade now. I just I don't enjoy it anymore. I, it's just I don't I don't enjoy watching it. They they just I don't find them fun. I find them boring. I mean, I find them frustrating. You could be, uh, you just, could be poor Adrian though. He's got to be a Giants fan. I mean, that's so much worse than we have. It. Of course. Well, actually, I was actually thinking about that the other day. Like, I couldn't imagine being like a Bengals fan. But seriously, it's like perpetual hell. Like, even when Howie Roseman gets a draft pick that he can't screw up, he trades out of it. Like, like go figure. Like, he could have just – any player that would have been available at six, Chase, Pitts, Sewell, like the chances of those guys being awful are just – it's such a low probability, and he trades out of it. And we, and, and we all know it's going to happen, right? <clears throat> He's going to take a player at 12 who will be, who'll be solid, he'll be okay. And then the Miami pick, just, just knowing the way things go in this town, it'll probably be somewhere in the early 20s because Miami will be good because they'll probably get Chase. So they'll have a really good receiving core with Parker and, and, um, and Fuller and Chase. Uh, but they might not have a quarterback. Two will be another year. But, I mean, even with Tua, like, and, and some of Ryan Fitzpatrick starts who's hit and miss, I mean, they won like 10 games. Uh, was it Was it 9 or 10? Uh, it, was, right? it was 10, I believe. Yeah. So, I mean, I assume they'll be better. But there's no way that those two, whatever players they get with that combined, are going to equal to what Jamar Chase. I mean, he's going to be like a 1,500-yard receiver for a decade. But, Mike, we, we, we've talked about all offseason, though, how many holes they have on their roster. Like, you really think Jamar Chase would make that big a deal for a team that has that many holes? I, I don't. Well, I mean, but there's other drafts. Like, they don't have to fill all these holes in one year. Like, that's one of the things I, I disagree very, very much. I I think it's a I think it's a false narrative that the more picks you have the better chance you have of getting players because each pick has its own individual value. Like for just to use an extreme example, one first round pick, you have a greater chance of of getting a stud with one first round pick than 10 six round picks. And there's a stat that Ruben Frank put out. Right, but which, they got three first round picks next. Right, year. but there's there's a I'll put it to you this way. The Eagles have a greater chance of getting a stud at 6 than they do at 12 and say 20. Because, the, like, Ruben Frank put out a stat that said there are 40 Hall of Famers that have been drafted between picks 1 and 6 and only 11 between 7 and 12. Like, there's a precipitous drop-off once you get past that 6 spot. Like, not all first-round picks are created equal. It's the value of the pick. But the goal isn't to amass picks. The goal is to amass talent. You, you just you have to like, – I use the Ravens model. You were talking about Baltimore and Miami. The Ravens, their model is they stand pat every year with the exception of if they absolutely love a player, they'll jump up like they jumped up for Lamar Jackson. Um, but the Ravens stand pat every year. They take the best player on the board. They don't care what position. They would draft three cornerbacks in three straight years. They don't care. They just want to amass talent. No, I, and then, I get and then it. once you amass talent, you can trade. If you have an overabundance, you can trade one of those guys for another position. But, like, the Eagles, they, they care more about geeking, geeking out over picks. Just no, add the best player. Mike, but the team you're using as an example uh, before of the team with so much talent, Miami, Miami got to this point because they had so many picks. Like, that's how they rebuilt. 
No, but they evaluated well. Like they're they, they haven't hit on all their picks you can't though. Evaluate. But they haven't hit on all their picks. They had so many picks they could absorb the misses. But not, it's not necessarily like they hit on the important ones. The Eagles have been missing on their premium picks. They missed on uh, JJ Arcega Whiteside a second round. Pick. No doubt. Okay, they missed on Andre Dillard a first round pick. They traded up to get him. Like you know if if they could have taken another player and it wouldn't be so bad. You have to hit on your picks. You have to amass talent. And the Eagles have no blue chip talent. I don't even, like a year ago, people thought Miles Sanders would have been that. I don't even know if Miles Sanders is a blue chip talent. They might have none on the entire roster. And at six, you had a potential of at least one of three blue chip players going to be available. Can't miss guys. And they passed on that opportunity just so they can load up more picks to do who knows what. And honestly, for the people who think that they're going to trade for Deshaun Watson next year, you are out of your minds. First of all, the guy, the guy might be in prison next year, for all we know. Like, I, I doubt he will be, but at the very least, he might be suspended. But even if Deshaun Watson gets off scot-free, if all this stuff is either exaggerations or if he gets acquitted or regardless, he is not going to waive his no-trade calls to come to Philadelphia. There's no chance. Why, 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 would, you, why would he not do that? I mean, he I mean, doesn't what, want to, to play be for next year, Yanni? I mean, yeah, Mike, I think... I think the idea that they are this dysfunctional is so overblown. It is. It's just not the truth. Like no, but, it's like, not. Why would why would guys like Kelsey and Graham want to stay here if it was so bad? Like why would they want to do that? Why would well, Jason that's what Kelsey they have no trade clauses? No, for. no. But at this point in those guys' careers, why would a guy like Jason Kelsey want to stay here when he could go to Kansas City and try to win a Super Bowl with his brother? Well, like, that's different. Jason Kelsey already has a history here. Deshaun Watson has no connection to Philadelphia. Yeah, but, but, but why does Deshaun Watson, why would he think the Eagles are some horrible organization? They're not viewed that way. It's not necessarily that he thinks they're a horrible organization. It's that if he has a no-trade clause, he's only going to put the teams on it that he really, really wants to go to. Like, why would he, why would he well, uproot and leave well, uh, Houston to come to a team like Philadelphia when he can go to, say, a team like uh, you know Chicago, who's, who's just... Yeah. Coming off a year where they went to the playoffs. Right. No, I I got you, Mike, and I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I, I think at this point, well, Deshaun Watson, first of all, right now, Deshaun Watson doesn't have a whole lot of say in where he'd end up. All right? Like, Deshaun Watson, uh, we'll see how this all plays out. I would not say Deshaun Watson is a guy right now who's negotiating from uh, an area of power at this point. So, you know, I I think he'll, he'll take whatever he's given. You know, I don't... I don't think he wants to play in Houston. Other than that, I don't think he really gives a damn where he goes. But uh, right now, I wouldn't trade for Deshaun Watson. you got to see how this whole situation plays out. And maybe down the line, you know, we'll see how, uh, you know, everything works out with these lawsuits. But right now, Deshaun Watson is untradeable for Houston because nobody can take that kind of that kind of problem on their hands right now until all this is 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 over. But that idea that this is some terrible organization, I just don't agree with it. Like, I don't. I think we're way too close to it. And, you know, and, you know, I, I, I love talking to Mike. I just, I disagree with him that it's been, like, this horribly bad. Like, Howie Roseman, in my mind, as, as this last five years of Eagles football been that horrendously awful that, you know, we're... We're so victim victimized by this organization. It's just not like uh, last year was an awful season. There's no doubt about that. It is probably the least enjoyable Eagles season I've watched in my entire life, considering where this team was, what was expected, what ended up happening. But the last five years have not been that bad. And when you look at where this team is, 
after, you know, where they were a couple months ago, the assets they've acquired, I think they're on the right track. I truly do. When you acquire those picks, you open up the cap space. I like what they have done this offseason. And this team is more than one player away. And I like Jamar Chase a lot, too. That's a guy Mike wanted, and I, I get it. I liked him a lot, too. First of all, there's also no guarantee he'd be there at six when the Eagles were drafted, as Mike Angelina pointed out to me. And also, this team is much more than one player away. Mike said there's no blue-chip players on the roster. I don't necessarily disagree with that. One is not going to change that. You need multiple. And yeah, you need to hit on your picks. No doubt. No doubt about it. But the best way to do that is to have more of them. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Ed and Cherry Hill. What's up, Ed? Hey, how's it going, Mike? How's it going? Tonight? Good, how are you? Doing good. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with what Mike said. I I do think that, you know, the Eagles have somewhat of a chance to come up with everything that's going on. But, I mean, if you look at the last time the Eagles picked somebody at 12, they got – Mr. 91, Fletcher Cox, who's, I think, a guaranteed future Hall of Famer at this point. But I, I don't mean, know about like, a Hall of Famer. I, I think that might be going, going a little too far. A very good player. Yeah, but, um, you know, like we, we have the potential to have three first-round picks next year with maybe the potential of being four if we're under 500 or somewhere close to that. And that could be, you know, something that we used to, you know, trade for somebody or something like that, pick up a hot free agent on the market. But... I also think, like, people kind of underlooked the Anthony Harris signing, too. Like, I think that's one of the most underrated signings of this free agency so far. Yeah, but, we'll see. I, and I saw some people saying that, Ed. I mean, we'll see. They only got him on a one-year deal, which isn't great, considering if he is that good, you'll just have to pay him next off season. But, yeah. you know, you, you for, for the value they got him at, it, I'm fine with it. Oh, Absolutely. But, I mean, like, everybody complaining that, you know, we're not going to have a chance at Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, anything like that. Like, yeah, I agree. It, it sucks that we pulled back and we might not have a chance at those guys. But we might have a shot at, you know, a Jalen Waddle if he's still there or Micah Parsons or someone I think would be a nice addition to the team is Rondale Moore. I mean, you look at what he did at his pro day. He ran an unofficial 4-2-9-40, and he had a 42-inch vertical, and he's like five foot seven. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, that could be a sleeper pick for us or something like that. But I do agree. Like, this team's nowhere in Super Bowl contention or, or maybe even postseason contention next year. It's really just about, you know, like getting everything together slowly, coming along, and making sure that we got solid guys for the future. Yeah, no doubt, Ed. And you look at it, and I agree. I Like, I still think there are going to be – a lot of good players there at 12. Like, I think this first half of the first round is is really deep. And some people have Waddle rated above Devontae Smith. You know, Waddle could be there. Devontae Smith could be there. Um, you know, uh, this defensive coordinator, Gannon, seems to value linebackers. Maybe the kid from Penn State. Um, as far as corners, Sertan could be there. J.C. Horn, Joe Horn's son, who's a really good cornerback. So, uh, you know, I, I still think there are going to be a lot of quality options there at 12 for the Eagles. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, if you look at, like, the past couple years' drafts, like, I, I personally kind of think, not saying, like, first-round picks are overrated or anything like that, but if you look at the past couple of drafts, like, anybody in the top 10, like, who's still in their same team they were drafted on, still putting up numbers that they were projected to put up, like, not not a lot. Like, you look at Jared Goff, like, everybody thought he was going to be, you know, the stud in Los Angeles, but 
now he's over in Detroit. And who knows? He might have success in Detroit with the new coaching staff and stuff like that. But it, it's yet to be seen. Yeah. No. So I'd rather have multiple second-round picks than have, you know, one amazing first-round pick. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I, I hear you, Ed. And I appreciate the call. And, like, I would love a premium player, too. Like, I don't want to say, you know, I'm against having great players. I mean, obviously you want great players. But I also recognize the reality of where this team is and the reality is they need to fill a lot of holes we talked about it all offseason they need a lot of things and you know acquiring picks is the best way to get them and it's not necessarily taking all those picks like you can move some of those picks for established players like that's not out of the realm possibility either you never know what kind of guys are going to become available and I'm not just talking about a quarterback uh, something of that nature, but you could end up moving one of those first-round picks for a stud receiver that's already established. You know, look at look at what Arizona ended up getting DeAndre Hopkins for. And I don't think that is always going to be an available option, but I'd much rather get DeAndre Hopkins for a two and a five than, you know, spend a top six pick on a receiver. And, you know, the way the Eagles value that position, I don't know if they would have drafted a receiver there anyway. You know, and there are always going to be avenues to improve your team other than just the draft. And just because you have all those picks doesn't mean you're going to take all those picks. You can also use them in other ways, trade them, get creative. And that's where Howie thrives is being creative and thinking outside the box. Uh, let's get Adrian in here before the break. What's up, Adrian? <laughs> hey, yo. Mike saying he's not going to watch the Eagles is like you saying you wasn't going to come back from Miami. <laughs> you know what? I don't know, Adrian. Mike, Mike gets serious about that kind of stuff. He might, he might take a little break. Oh, man. You know, this, you know I, I, was wondering, I was just thinking about the trade that y'all made, the, the, the go down in the draft. Uh-huh. And I was just like wondering, like, why didn't y'all just do that on draft day? Like, why did y'all wait? Why did y'all do that so early? I mean, if you do it on draft day, then you get a better understanding of who's left on the board. Uh, it, it has just been a, it's just been a, a better – I think you might have could have even got more out of Miami for that pick. Well, the offer, might not be, the, the offer might not be there anymore, Adrian. They might have moved up with somebody else already. Then you don't have a trade partner. Well, when I mean, it's almost like a no-brainer. Like now, you still got the six pick. Trust me, the off they wouldn't have moved up in front of six. I mean, that that's the close days because the first five picks is, is like solid picks. Ain't nobody giving up them them first five picks. They just not giving them up. I mean, if you look at the, the first five teams that's drafting, well, Miami did close. though. They, Miami did give up a top five pick though. They traded down first. They were at three. They was at three. Yeah. And then they traded. But I'm saying they already made the move. You understand what I'm saying? So why right. you had to make the move? I just don't think it was it was smart. With, you know, I mean, they now they playing fantasy football anyway, so it, it's fine. Uh, I, I'm glad I'm glad y'all did give it up because now that means y'all not going to get a stud receiver, which I think the most important thing when you come to drafting is you're supposed to pick the best player that's available because – I argue with this guy all the time. He always talk about scheme and, and, and the, the way people set up stuff. But at the end of the day, when you're a coach, you need talent. So you, you, you need talent. At the end of the day, you need talent. And you can't say one player can't make a difference because we just watched Tom Brady leave. Uh, he, he left New England and went to Tampa, and they won the Super Bowl. So don't tell me one player can't make a difference because one player can make a difference. Well, Adrian, I, I mean, you Malone's, can't see- Moses Malone. 
you can't say you can't say draft the best player when your team's taking Danny Dimes at number six overall. Come on, man. I mean, that's... well, hey, look. Would you say Would you say Danny Dimes is better than Carson Wentz? Well, I mean, you're not setting a very high you're not setting a very high bar there, Adrian. You're not setting a very high bar. Carson Wentz stinks. And he even got traded. It's not even on your staff anymore. So I, I think that Danny Don is in New York. Don't you think New York media is way, way tougher than, than Philadelphia media? No way. So I think they're both I, equally I just, difficult. I just think just that, just that alone with Danny Don dealing with that. Hey, Danny Don going to be a good quarterback because he's uh. going to do what he can do. He ain't going to get frustrated. He ain't going to be scared if somebody else came in there and's going to challenge him for a spot. None of that stuff. So, have, they, have, they stopped cry, have they stopped crying yet about the Eagles tanking in that Week 17 game? Has Joe Judge gotten over well, it yet? Tough guy, Joe well, Judge. I'll tell you, I, 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 I put it to you this way. We'll never do nothing like that because we're a stand-up organization. Well, saying, I mean, it's the difference between our organization and y'all organization. Well, the Eagles y'all playing fantasy football, well, Adrian, we actually – you get the our, Eagles our doing You get the Eagles doing that got them an extra first round pick, right? Like that's what enabled them to get a future first round pick. But was look who's that picking game. them. Y'all, been, y'all, y'all had two years to get two separate receivers, and y'all, y'all came yeah. up with zero. You got. So, you, I mean, listen, I, I, yeah, I don't want to waste my call on the Eagles because yeah, I, I want to talk about the Eagles. Oh, okay. Right? okay. Go, go ahead. Uh, yeah, let's talk about the Eagles. I don't waste my call on the Eagles. Um, so I honestly think that with the what. The Nets actually picking up archers. I'm telling you, where smoke, there's fire. The rant might not be coming back. I think he's hurt more than they actually are saying that he is. Yeah. What's wrong with the rant? What, what, what is the problem? Uh, Adrian, I thought about that. And, you know, I, I, I think it was maybe insurance more than anything. But at some point, they got to start getting a little concerned. Like, he's missed a lot of time now. And even what is if he wrong do- with him? I don't know. What even- is I think it's a ca- I think it's a calf. I'm pretty sure. Uh, what is it, Mike? Um, you just jump on hamstring. It's a hamstring. Yeah, those those can be difficult. And oh, even yeah, when yeah, he yeah, does get back, yeah, even when he does get back, you know, who knows if he's going to be a hundred percent? That thing could act up again. And if they don't have Durant, as great as Harden's been, I mean, I think the Sixers are better. I do. If they don't have Durant, I think the Sixers are a better team. Now, now, let me say this: the, the Lakers just made a move, right? They got drummed. Is it smoke? Yeah. Where, is, is, is it fire there? Where it's smoke at? Is Anthony Davis actually going to come back too? Because he has yeah. a Achilles problem too. I mean, he plays the four. So, Davis plays the four there, though. I, I don't think that's that's really a, an issue. He's always Davis is always hurt. He'll be back for the playoffs. So he'll be back. All right. I well, hey, look, I like our chances. Um, I, I like the fact that um, I didn't really care. I, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna keep it to you. I don't know if we talked about this or not, but I, I didn't really care about. Getting um, who do we just pick up? Uh, yeah, uh, George Hill. Greg, George Hill. Yeah. George Hill. I, I ain't a George Hill fan, but you know, I mean, playing for Doc. I mean, Doc usually get the best out of these players, so yeah. I, I'm, I'm gonna just go with the Doc thing. Yeah, um, but fine. I ain't crazy about George Hill. Yeah. Man. I, I think we should have kept Bradley just in case this ki- this kid just started playing well. You know, Doc talked highly of him. How he stay after practice. How he do this and do that. And we traded him. Yeah. Just like that. So, I, I don't know. I got you, Adrian. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. I mean, Tony Bradley was not, you know, a good kid, played hard, stepped in for Joel Embiid, but Tony Bradley wasn't going to play in the playoffs. I mean, if Embiid's healthy, you have no role for him whatsoever. Um, you know, I'll take, I'll take, I'll take George Hill. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the reality is Tony Bradley was – 
if he didn't have a good week, he was his fate probably just would have been he would have just would have been a guy that just fades away on the bench next year. They don't re up and he just kind of moves on. Yeah, like, the, the fact that they got something for him is they got lucky with the timing of uh, his hot play. I'll tell you what I was thinking about the other day and a real disappointing thing because Mike, you said you didn't catch the game Saturday night, no. um, but another awful Mike Scott game, by the way. Um, but I was just you know thinking you know upgrading that Mike Scott situation. That, that position on the roster, it is really a shame that he got signed like a couple weeks before. Ilya Sova would have been perfect for that role. And he, he signed with the Jazz. Wouldn't he have been perfect in that kind of Mike Scott point he's, in the rotation? He's probably at the same point in Mike Scott, like as Mike Spot, Scott in his career, though, where he's probably just too slow oh, no, and cooked. No. Er, but Ersan will take a charge, you know? Nobody takes a charge better than Ersan. Mike say. Scott ain't no bitch. Yeah, Mike's, Mike Scott is, is utterly useless. That's what, that's what Mike Scott is at this point. <laughs> Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, uh, Stephen Egg Harbor. Thanks for hanging. Steve will be first right after the break, and then you at the bottom of the hour. We do have some Philly stuff we got to get to as well. So that's coming up. Uh, I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham. Sports Radio ninety four WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. Another aspect of this whole Eagles thing that we'll examine a little bit in the 4 o'clock hour is the report from Rap Sheet. And it was weird how all this went down. That, you know, he initially reported first the Eagles tried to move up. Then he didn't he delete the tweet? Yeah, well, you're not on Twitter. This is where it hurts me, you not being on Twitter, Mike. So you can't fact, you can't be my watchdog here. Well, if he deleted it, I wouldn't have seen it anyway. Right. Well, he deleted it. Because uh, maybe Howie was not happy that he reported that, um, but that the Eagles initially may have wanted to move up to three, but only if Zach Wilson was available. So we'll get to that in the four o'clock hour, that aspect of it. And also, we got to get to the Phillies, too, as they made some notable moves, sending down Scott Carey, and also surprising move, I thought, sending down uh, JoJo Romero. What were your thoughts on that, Mike? You a little surprised they sent down JoJo, leaving them with just Jose Alvarado as the only lefty in the pen right now? Very surprised. I uh, I don't really get David Hale. Like he does nothing for me. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, what is that guy doing? Yeah, they just he's the long man. To, but you have Velasquez for that role, I think. Yeah, and I, I'm just like Velasquez. If he's not gonna if he's not good enough for the rotation, just trade him. Like he's he's useless as a reliever. Do you ever like? Would you ever well, feel about any relief Vince Velasquez would give you? Like. I, I, you know, I, I held on to that for a time, but then he, you know, with, and, and again, you had Sunday was a classic Velasquez outing, and I, you know, I, I'm watching that spring training game, and we'll get to some sound in the next segment from the guys from the broadcast in regards to Velasquez because it, it was it was classic Vince Velasquez. You know, he comes out in the fourth, one, two, three, very economical, sets the Yankees down in order, and then he comes out in the fifth. And it's working deep counts. It's the bad body language. It's all this stuff that frustrates you. And it's like there's just nothing consistent about that guy. Nothing. I, I gotta say the who was in left McCutcheon, McCutcheon. Yeah, McCutcheon. I 
couldn't believe he didn't catch that one ball either. Like he wasn't even close to like where it landed. I must have missed that one. I was somebody I, hit like a like a can of corn to left field, and yeah. you look over, like the screen shoots to McCutcheon, and he's like just kind of like. I mean, he's trying. He's trying, but he's just not even close to getting there. Yeah, I can't catch everything. I'm very busy in the booth, you know, engineering, uh, working the microphones. March we Madness. Had extra, we had an extra person in the booth with L.A. coming in, so, you know, a lot, lot to do. Um, and I'll be engineering Saturday. I'm very en- uh, um, excited to engineer Saturday. First time I've been at a Phillies game since 2019. Obviously, spring training games, we're just doing from TV screens, so. I'm excited for Saturday, and you said you'll be in attendance Sunday, right, Mike? Yeah, I'm excited for uh, my. That would be my. I don't see myself getting a Sixers ticket this week, so that would be my first uh, sporting event in over a year. Nice. So uh, we'll uh, we'll recap our, our experiences next Sunday night. I gotta say, it's uh, not everyone in the business would uh, work two jobs in one day, Tom. Pretty, thank pretty thank nice you. Work by yep. You. Did the game in the afternoon. Went home. A brief nap until. It was time for the baby to go to bed. Then I get kicked out of the room, and you know. Yeah, then when you put the baby in the picture, it's, yeah, you know. yeah, tough. But you know, we're we're Iron Men here. That's what we do. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Let's get to Stephen A. Carver. What's up, Steve? Yeah, how's it going, man? How's it um, going? Yeah, the, I'll tell you the uh, the one thing about the the uh, moving back is, you know, I was hoping we were going to get a really big stud receiver like Chasem or the flyer from Alabama because those guys are let's face it in the D-League of football, as far as I'm concerned, the SEC, where, you know, when a receiver comes out of there, they're usually pretty much a stud if they're a stud in college. I mean, you saw what Devontae did in the championship in the semifinal games this year, just like Jefferson. you saw with the uh, receiver for LSU did last year yeah. in the championship. And that's how you knew he was a much better pick than, than Rieger, except how he didn't know that. Yeah. And, you know, are we going to find out how good – our quarterback is if we don't put anybody around him. I mean, I was just uh, telling Angelina, I mean, I go back with Steve Young when he played for Tampa Bay, and he looked like a complete amateur with that team. And then he goes to San Francisco, sits behind Montana for a couple years, and then he gets in there with Rice, and then he gets in there with Owens, and, then you, and, and Taylor and all them guys. And you see how great of a quarterback a quarterback can be when he's surrounded by talent. And we're, gonna, we're not going to find anything out about Jalen Hurts, and that's what bothers me about the move back. Yeah, I don't know about that, Steve. Like, I think it's more important. I think it's much more important for a quarterback to be supported by the offensive line and a coaching staff that, that has a good scheme. And, you know, I do think that you look at the Eagles' offensive line, if they're relatively healthy, Jalen Hurts should be well-protected. And, you know, I don't think Rager is going to be Jefferson. I don't. But I also haven't lost complete hope that he's going to be a player. Um you know, you still got Goddard, you still got Miles Sanders, uh, you know, and we'll see what else they add. Um, but I, I wouldn't go that far yet to say we won't be able to evaluate Jalen Hurts based on what's going on. Look, if you can't run routes in the NFL, which Rager can't, then you're, not, you're never, ever going to be a good receiver. You're going to be another Ronaldo Nehemiah who can just go straight down the field and occasionally get open on a deep ball. But it also so doesn't mean you can't improve. Route running means everything as a receiver. I don't care what anybody says. Right, but it doesn't mean you can't improve, Steve. And I'll say this about Sirianni, uh, and we don't know what he's going to be as a coach, but from what you hear about him, the thing that he is is has made his bones at in the NFL is he's a great wide receivers coach. Like Keenan Allen loved him. With the Chargers, Keenan Allen said he made him a lot better. Maybe Nick Sirianni can, can help Jalen Rager. I mean, I don't think it's it's crazy to say that. But let me ask you, what's going on with Earth? Because in my opinion, I don't care what anybody says. I, if we still have him on the team, we should just keep him. He can't.
anything about that. We had two stud tight ends, and then you get, you know, you, if you, if you, like you said, I, I'm not worried about making somebody happy. He's under contract. He was happy when he signed the contract, and you know, he's not one of the elite tight ends. He wasn't last year. You can, you can give him what he wants, but um, you can't give him somebody what they want when they're on the end of their at the end of their rope. I say we keep him. Let's go and, and, and get at least some kind of wide receiver at number twelve. I want a receiver because. The more weapons we have, the better it is going to be for Hurts. We can see if we can really find out if he's a quarterback in the future or not. Yeah, I mean, Steve, it could. I mean, it could. I would doubt it. I still think he gets traded. Um, but if it comes down to you either keep him or cut him, then yeah, I, I'd rather keep him too. I'm with you there. Yeah, because we're under the cap. So why, so why not keep him? Yeah. As long as we're under the cap, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you know, like I said, the thing, let's face it, it worries everybody who's been following the Eagles. How he's got to how he's got to come through this year and stop taking chances and pick the best guy on the board and stop sitting there trying to be Mister I'm the smartest guy on the planet blah 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 because let's face it I'm not going to blame him for the, the Metcalf because he had the injury things it was the receivers after that that he missed but you definitely got to blame him for our receiver being in Minnesota sorry yeah no no there's no doubt about that Steve and I appreciate it man thanks yeah no the, the, that was a bad pick like and uh, when I you know. Defend Howie. I'm not defending the draft record. Like, they've missed on draft picks. No doubt about it. And that's got to change. But the idea that having more draft choices is a bad thing, that doesn't make sense. Like, that that just, that that is, is nonsensical when you look at it. And I, I want to, you know, maybe address that a little bit when we get back. Um as kind of an additional social media gripe, uh, that criticism of the Eagles moving down, that Howie will, will just waste these picks. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, uh, I got an additional social media gripe in a second that I just um, mentioned in the last segment. But real quick, I wanted to uh, run this by you, Mike. I saw this, um, and I thought this was a very disrespectful thing to one of our favorite people. Um, well, fictional people, I guess, because, you know, it's bracket season. So everybody creates a bracket mm-hmm. of all different types of things. and badness. Yes, there was a fast food region to, I think it was FanDuel created a bracket. I don't know what the other regions were, but there was a fast food region. And I thought this was very disrespectful. And I think this place is massively underrated, just like our um, favorite fictional person believes it is as well. But in the fast food region, the 16 seed was Arby's. And you know that that would not please uh, our buddy David Putty. You know, he, uh, it's an Arby's. It feels like an Arby's night. You know, <laughs> Arby's is good. I don't. I like Arby's a lot. Arby's I is seen delicious. Arby's in a while. Well, Arby's isn't really in this area. I feel like it's more like a um, a central PA type thing. Okay. You know, I, I feel like one in Springfield or near Clifton Heights, maybe. I always used to stop at Arby's 
on my way out to Shippensburg. I had a lot of friends that went to Shippensburg when I was in college. So I would uh, go out there, you know, once a month or something to to party it up for the weekend. I always used to stop, stop at Arby's a nice on the way beef. out there. Yeah, they have a good chicken sandwich, yeah. believe it or not. I like the roast beef. Um, yeah, some of the, and some of the rankings here, the one seed was Chick-fil-A, then, you know, McDonald's, Wendy's, all your typical ones, but um, Domino's and Pizza Hut ahead of Arby's? Like, I don't, I don't agree no. with that. Subway? Uh, no. You know, I, I, I thought that was very disrespectful. Um, Panda, I've never had Panda Express. I used to have it a lot. It's I'm not a big Chinese food guy. Not gonna lie. Yeah, actually, I don't eat Chinese food anymore. It gives me terrible migraines. Actually, really? Yeah, it's just it seems like a weird side effect. One of the it's like the salt or whatever that's in it, huh? Um, but yeah, no. Huh. Chinese food is otherwise good. I just all right. Well, yeah. I just wanted to throw that out there. I thought it was just a little disrespectful to uh to Arby's. Uh, two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, but I do have an additional social media gripe that I wanted to throw out there real quick. And, you know, I've heard a lot of people say it tonight. And, you know, I had tweeted out over the weekend, uh, well, I guess it was Friday when the move was made, you know, that it's a little ridiculous in my mind that everybody thinks Howie is incompetent, yet he spun the worst quarterback in the league last year and a loss in a meaningless Week 17 game into two future first-round picks. Like, that's something that happened. And, you know, you might not like his draft record and certain things about it, but that, you know, that move, those moves, rather, are impressive. The fact that you can spin things that didn't seem to be assets at all um, into two first-round picks is useful. And pretty much every response I got was saying the same thing. Well, what's the point of having these picks? He's just going to waste them anyway. Who cares if you have more picks? He's just going to throw them in the trash. He's going to waste them anyway. Like, that logic makes no sense to me. It's the complete opposite. If you have somebody that's struggled with drafting, you want more draft picks. That way, if you miss, you can, you know, uh, it's a little easier to take them. And I know we talked about that. Um, tonight, but it's, you know, I just think that logic is extremely flawed that, yeah, the drafts have been poor. Some of the misses have been bad. They have looked bad and they've put this team in a rough situation. But the idea that having more draft picks is a bad thing. It just doesn't make sense. You can use them for a lot of different things. Um, you can use them in trades and if you miss, the misses aren't so glaring because you have more picks and you're going to hit on some of them. So I don't think it's a bad thing that the Eagles are looking to acquire more draft picks, especially with the roster that is somewhat bereft of talent. And when you're looking at the long term, uh, I think it's a pretty smart way to go, the way the Eagles are building it. And I think Howie's done a nice job this offseason looking at things more in the long term. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Let's go to Nick in Gloucester City. What's up, Nick? Hey, Tom, how you doing tonight? Bro? Good, how you doing, man? Good, uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you uh, on accumulating draft picks. It's not a bad thing at all. I mean, everyone talks about, like, the fast turnaround time in the NFL compared to the other three leagues, and the reason for that is because when you get all these draft picks, you have a better chance of that. Everyone's guy that just left town, John Dorsey, that, you know, everybody wanted and was uh, so, you know, like, mad that he left, 
the reason he looks like a genius is because he's had like 20% of the picks in the last five drafts. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, Nick, no, that that's that's the thing. I think the two teams you look at that are the best examples here are Cleveland and Miami. And, you know, yeah, they have, they've drafted well. Like, I'm not going to tell you they haven't. Like, Cleveland has done a nice job hitting on their picks. Like, they had the one and the four, and they got Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward, and they turned out to be pretty good players. But, you know, those teams have been built by having a ton of picks. They haven't hit on all of them, but they've had so many that, you know, they can absorb their misses. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, I really don't think the drop-off from 6 to 12 is all that much either. I mean, first off, um, if Schefter's saying that four quarterbacks are going to go in the top seven, so that gives us the eighth-best player available. And another standpoint that I like this move from is that this is showing me that the Eagles organization doesn't care what the fans think. Half the fans want Chase, half the fans want Pitts. They said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to stack our chips for the future, and we're going to block out that noise and do what's best for our team. Looking forward. Yeah, and, and Nick, I mean, you look at it, and I agree with you, where it seems like a foregone conclusion at this point. It, it basically is that the top three picks at least are going to be quarterbacks. Like, yeah. So you're going to have three quarterbacks at least going in the top 11. I would say it's 80% before, and who I mean, I, I doubt it, but if somebody loves Mac Jones, maybe even five, and at that point, you know, you're really getting a stud. I, I think when you look at some of the corners that are available, whether it be J.C. Horn or Sertan, the two Alabama receivers, um, there are going to be good players at positions of need there at 12, and I think the Eagles took that into account when they made this move. I totally agree with that, Tom. Uh, just another Eagles point that I uh, wanted to get across. Uh, one of your previous callers was talking about the whole Zach Ertz situation. Um, according to Over the Cap, uh, with that whole June 1st thing, if we wait until June 1st to make a move, whether it's cutting or trading him, we do save $4 million doing that. Okay, so if they wait. Um, now, I think they could designate him a June 1st cut now uh, if they wanted to. Um, I think they're still just trying to trade him. I think they're looking for some sort of value. Um, so I, I think they're looking to trade him if they can. Yeah, we'll it definitely it seems out. that way with all of, like the reports that are coming out nationally, whether that's the Eagles organization trying to push that or them having inside information. And uh, just one more thing I wanted to get across sure. uh, on this call, Tom, uh, with the Sixers. I definitely like the George Hill move, too. I mean, um, First off, you know, he led the NBA in three-point percentage last year. I know he's coming off the hand injury and everything, but he's also got a three-to-one turnover assist ratio. And, I mean, like, the, the whole thing with the Tony Bradley, um, if Joel Embiid's injured when the playoffs come, we're not winning anything anyways. The real thing, having Tony Bradley on the roster, would be backup center for next season when Dwight might walk after this season. But he's not going to stay any minutes on this run anyway. So I really like this move for trying to solidify for this season. Yeah. No, I'm with you, Nick, and I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. And, yeah, I mean, Tony Bradley, uh, he did a nice job while Joel Embiid was out. But, that, I mean, Nick may, Nick Nick's right. Like, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like, if, if, if Tony Bradley's playing serious playoff minutes, that means Joel Embiid's injured. And if Joel Embiid's injured, this team doesn't stand a chance anyway. So it doesn't really matter. You know, move on and, and go forward. And, and, you know, he brings up the white. And I brought this up to you before the show, Mike. Are we starting? Like, and I have enjoyed watching Dwight Howard this year. I think he's played very well. Um, and he's been a, a, a positive force for this team. 
But I'd be lying if I told you I wasn't getting a little concerned now that we're past the trade deadline, we're locked into Dwight, and lo and behold, the minute we get past the deadline, he gets ejected from two straight games for being, as what Doc Rivers admittedly said, a clown. Like, it, are, are you worried at all that Dwight is going to start devolving into doing the dumb Dwight stuff that we've seen him do in the past year? Like, I mean, it, it's, it's getting me a little concerned. Me personally, I'm not, but I I certainly understand why you are. I, I just, I'm enjoying Dwight being on this team this year. He, like he seems to really be embracing the role. I, I I throw out Thursday. I don't know what he did wrong there, quite frankly. And then uh, he Saturday's easier for me to throw out because I wasn't watching. So well, I guess that's where I'm coming from. In a well, spot. I'll fill you in on Saturday. I mean, he was called for an offensive foul on a rebound. I mean, it looked to me like a foul. I guess it was questionable, but he just wouldn't stop arguing. Yeah, he and argues it's, everything. It's like at some point, dude, just just stop. Right. Like you get the first tee, just just you don't need to keep arguing. You know they're going to have a short hook with you because you're Dwight Howard, and it, I mean it was a Tony Brothers uh, production, so oh, that geez. doesn't help. Uh, which that guy, like Tony Brothers, Scott Foster. Uh, can we get these guys out of the league? What other refs? Ed Malloy? I, you I like throw Ed him Malloy. in there? No, like, I like Ed Malloy. Ed, Ed well, Malloy controls the game. About, you're yeah, I like Ed Malloy. That. <laughs> you sound like a big Ed Malloy. <laughs> strong Ed Malloy defense there. Um, I, he's good at controlling the game, I think. Yeah. By the way, my dad used to uh, be, be friends with Steve Javi. So just you know, a little fun fact. NBA officiating fun fact in there. Uh, All right. They went to high school together, I believe. So Upper Moreland? No, no, my dad went to uh, Kennedy uh, Kenrick or something like that in uh, Plymouth meeting, so huh. uh, diff- different school. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. A lot of Eagles talk tonight. You're welcome to get in. Talking about the trade um, that I like, I think it's a smart move for the team moving forward to trade down. You only move down six spots. Still going to be good players there at 12. You get a first-round pick next year. Three first-rounders next year, um, which there's a lot of options that gives the Eagles as an organization. So we've been talking about that most of the night. When we get back, though, I do want to dive into the Phillies a little bit because they made a, a, a big admission of a mistake on Sunday um, in sending Scott Kingery to the minors. Uh, and we'll look at that move and some of the other moves Phillies made as their roster is basically down to one more decision left of what they're going to do with two of the uh, three outfield spots remaining. So we'll kind of break down what the Phillies have done. Also, um, I engineered the game on Sunday and uh, wanted to play for you uh, a couple uh, cuts from the bottom of the fifth inning when Vince Velasquez was on the mound. Uh, Scott, uh, Kevin, and L.A., with some interesting comments on Velasquez and what the Kingery move uh, means for the rest of the team. So we'll get to that coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham. Uh, are, we, uh, are we checking in with, with Gabe today at 445, 450? What are you thinking, Mike? 
Uh, I checked it in, Gabe. I'd be happy to share what I, uh, okay. what I got. All right, we'll check in with Gabe uh, coming up later in the show. New source, by the way. Okay, um, sounds good. So we'll see what Gabe has to, uh, has to say. Uh, we'll do our baseball picks um, probably later this week. Maybe we'll get through the AL West tonight because that's the only division I've done, oddly. But uh, we'll look, and and uh, Mike, you were saying there's an over under you you love as far as baseball this season. You are our well, baseball not, expert. Well, it's not an over under. Uh, oh, oh, it's okay. It's a future. Okay. Yes. Um, would you like to share it or or you want to save it? You know, it's up to you. Your go show. go ahead and share it. I think there's tremendous value at Josh Bell to lead baseball in home runs. Really? At plus seventy five hundred. Really? You it's an insane number. I think it's totally realistic. How many how many diggers did he hit last year? I don't know. I should have okay. done some uh, yeah. background on this. I'm just... just yeah. I, I can bat. Josh Bell just doesn't strike me as like one of the top power hitters in baseball. But maybe I'm wrong. You well, pay more attention than I do. You put him in a lineup with Turner and, and, yeah. and Castro and Soto. Soto yeah. And then Schwarber behind him. I, think I forgot Schwarber's in that now. Yeah. I always like that. That's one of the fun things about... A new baseball season is, uh, you know, seeing old faces in in new places, familiar face, new place, right? And by the way, I saw that uh, Mike Woodson is taking the Indiana coaching. That just doesn't feel right to me. Like Mike Woodson is a guy who he should always be the top assistant on somebody's bench in the NBA. Well, like he was, he, he just Ty Lue before Ty Lue, right? Right. Like he is the he is like the honorary top assistant coach that. Should be a top assistant. He gets an interim job, gets fired, and it's just like this perpetual carousel. Like he seems like an NBA guy. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't seem like yeah. he should be a college. Coach. No, actually, now that you mentioned, I think there was a Sixers game I was at recently where a couple of years ago Doc was sick or something, and Mike Woodson had to take the clipboard. Sounds about right. Yeah. So- sounds about right. He he is that guy. It's like well, the coach got ejected. Mike Woodson's now the coach, and it's like he just fills that role for every team in the What's league. It, wasn't it so perfect where when, uh, you hear Lloyd Pierce is fired, but it's like then you realize like oh we have Nate McMillan right here, so he's just gonna slide her. It's like oh that makes of course they have Nate McMillan. That like that's I mean, a totally kind of a shame for Lloyd Pierce. Like right, he gets fired right as his team's getting healthy and like the schedule gets easy, and all of a sudden they rip off like eleven in a row. You know. Well, it was weird that he, so he, he pissed off his superstar, but his superstar may not act, not actually be a superstar. So it's kind of it's a weird dynamic. Yeah. So, uh, rough break for him there. But uh, if you want to get in two one five five nine two nine four nine four, talking a lot of Eagles tonight with the trade down from six to twelve. Um, which I mean I've said it a ton. Today. I think it's a great move. I think it's a smart move, and you know it it's it's always frustrating as a fan, when you want that big name. And we all looked at number six and Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, and these guys could be difference-making, game-changing players. But you look at value and you look at all the things this team needs. They have a lot of holes they need to fill. They have an older roster. Yes, Howie Roseman is in a large way to blame for that. But the best way to get out of those issues is to accumulate picks, add assets, and moving six picks down to acquire a future first-round pick is a smart move. And you look at where this team is now compared to where they were coming into this se- this offseason. 
you now have rid yourself of the Carson Wentz contract. Major positive moving forward. You pay the money this year, and it opens up cap space for the future. After this season, the Eagles have a ton of cap space. They have three first-round picks next year, which, I mean, I these could all be good first-round picks, too. I mean, you're talking about an Indianapolis team that they have question mark. Carson Wentz could, could stink again next year. And if he does, that's going to be a good, a good pick. The Eagles might be bad. That will be possibly a very good pick. The Miami Dolphins, they have question marks. Nobody knows if Tua can play. That could also be another, you know, pick in the teens. And all of a sudden, you could have real assets to build around, whether it's making those draft picks, moving up for a difference maker next year, moving those picks for other players who become available. There's a lot of options. And optionality, we all know, is very important for a general manager to have. And I like what Howie Roseman's done. I think he's done a tremendous job this offseason in beginning this rebuild. So we've been discussing that. Uh, and if you want to get in 215-592-9494. But I want to turn our attention to the Phillies real quick. As opening day, now just three days away. And the Phillies made some very interesting roster moves on uh, Sunday afternoon. As it was revealed um, that... Uh, Scott Kingery will go to the minor leagues. Ronald Torres ends up making the team. Utility man who's had a good spring. Um, Bamboo Brad was back in the lineup Sunday, so he will make the team. And Scott Kingery gets sent down. Uh, elsewhere, JoJo Romero gets sent down, and that means the bullpen is all sorted out here. The relievers, it appears, will be Archie Bradley, Hector Neris, Connor Brogdon, Brandon Kinsler, Sam Coonrod, um, Vince Velasquez, David Hale, and Jose Alvarado. Now, our our colleague Tim Kelly had tweeted out very astutely that uh, this pretty much rules out Alvarado for closer. He's your only yeah. lefty in the pen. He's not going to be a closer at this point. Yeah, now we're, it's Girardi's comments a couple weeks ago start starts to make a little bit more sense where he said he had to wait and see who made the team before deciding the closer, because, you know, I, th- I think if Watson or Romero made it, that could free him up a little bit more. Right. Um, and also, uh, Spencer Howard, I guess, will go down as well. And I guess those final two spots in the rotation go to what? Chase Anderson and Matt Moore? Yes. Okay. Um, probably in the other order, though. But um, I got. Do you remember Sam Coonrod uh, last year, us talking about him? I do not. He was a subject of a Gabe check in. Oh, was he? Remember, he was, he was the giant that uh, chose not to kneel. Oh, okay. So, gotcha. So people may remember. Okay, that. gotcha. Um, but you look at this, and the big news is is Kingery. As the Phillies send Scott Kingery down, and, I mean, just a major indictment of that signing that looks just idiotic at this point. Like, there was no need for the Phillies to sign Scott Kingery to that contract. And, you know, I don't know exactly what happened. Like, I don't buy into this idea that moving Scott Kingery around the diamond ruined him. Like, guys in Major League Baseball these days, they play all different positions. You know, Ben Zobrist has made a career of playing, what, every position on the diamond? And he can still, doesn't forget how to hit, you know? Well, 
I mean, this should end. Miguel Cabrera went from first base to third base and immediately won triple crown and two straight MVPs. Right. So it's like, you know. You know, it just happens. And um, I don't know what exactly happened with Scott Kingery. Now, I also don't subscribe to the notion where you just rid yourself of him and send him somewhere else and, you know, give him a fresh start. Uh, This is the right move. Like, there was nowhere for Scott Kingery on this roster. There was nowhere for him to play. And he needs at-bats. So you need to send him down to, I mean, I, I guess it's unfortunate that he won't be able to get actual game action right now because this AAA season is being delayed. Do, do we know when they're starting yet at all? I think early May. Okay. So I guess he'll just, basically, it's going to be an extended spring yeah, type situation. Are they going to be in Lehigh? They're, yeah, they'll be at the Lehigh okay. site. And uh, Girardi in one of the telecasts said that he... um that they're going to schedule scrimmages against like nearby teams and cities. Okay. So maybe they, maybe they play like Scranton or something. Right. Uh, but it, but it's the right it's the right move. Like Scott Kingery didn't have a, a, a spot here, and he shouldn't have had a spot here. And you know I don't know if he's salvageable, but he needs to get at bats, and he wasn't going to get at bats with the Phillies right now because they are in win now mode, and you know. There was just no way they could keep him on the roster. And, you know, you look at Scott Kingery and he goes down. You look at another guy that is going to make the roster here, but is really at a a crossroads, and that's Vince Velasquez. And I mentioned it a little earlier where, you know, I was engineering the game down at the ballpark on Sunday, and it was a classic Vince Velasquez performance where – he comes out, and Wheeler pitched first three innings. Velasquez comes in in the fourth, and he's going to be a reliever this year. And um, comes out in the fourth inning, sets him down. One, two, three. Looks very good, quick inning, exactly what you want to see. Comes back out for a second inning work, because that's kind of the role you'd envision Velasquez in this year. It's going to be, what, that middle inning, you know, Anderson or Moore go four and two-thirds, and you want Velasquez to get you through, what, two and a third? Take down two innings, yeah. Right. Something like that. <laughs> Take down, as, as Gabe would say. But um, Velasquez comes in, and then the fifth, it's just like he's a completely different pitcher, and he's scuffling and, and all this stuff. And, you know, I thought it was really interesting, some of the things that the guys had to say in the booth, where it was um, Kevin and Scott, and then Larry Anderson came in and joined us in the fourth and the fifth. And here they were on the broadcast, um, mainly um, Larry Anderson, talking about Vince Velasquez and his need to uh, finally find a way to be more consistent. Going back to Vince Velasquez, who was out here for second inning of work, I mean, he looked great, of course, his first inning, one, two, three frame. Uh, and Vince has the kind of stuff that can look great at times. But yes. It's, it's the ability to do it over and over again that's really eluded him. We. We haven't seen a whole lot of that. The pitch to Sanchez up and in for ball one. And I think that, I mean, that's, to me, been the thing with, with Vince since we got him. It, not not seeing any consistent improvement. I mean, you see flashes of it, like that last inning. He was outstanding. Can he do it again this inning? And that's, I think that's the one thing that you look for, a manager or pitching coach looks for, is consistency. And nice pitch misses up high. Said it, you know, you've heard me say it oftentimes that the, the difference between AAA or AA in the big leagues or their minor leagues in the big leagues is consistency. Mm-hmm. It's not 
it's not stuff. Guys in the minor leagues, there's a lot of guys, great arms, but they, they can't do anything with it. They can't command it. And I think that's where, what they look for is consistency at this level. That's what you generally have more of. And it's very frustrating to see because you see the talent. Like, you can see it from time to time. You know, he comes out and, and you, because it's not, it's not lost. Like, it's there. When you see him come out in the fourth inning and do uh, what he does, and then the fifth inning, it's just like he's a completely different pitcher. Hey, hey, what are you smiling at, Mike? You got something here? I, I like what you did with that cut to uh, to really establish the point of how inconsistent he is. You left in Fransky doing play-by-play of him throwing a ball. I, I did not. <laughs> so, some of the play-by-play um, you can cut out, but some of it, you know, you leave in for the effect of it. It's just smoother that way. Um, but here's a little more. Here was Kevin Franzen, you know, talking about the differences between those two innings. This inning, like, yeah, you get a little blue pit and still, but you're you're falling behind hitters. What well, you talked about in inning one for Vince, got ahead. Right. Oh one, oh one, oh one. This is where I wanted to see him come out and just start firing away, just get get back in that strike zone. And uh, you know, you've seen that it's the same thing year after year after year, and it becomes really frustrating. And you look at the situation Velasquez is in right now; he's at a real crossroads where he. You know, is in a situation where he is being transitioned to a reliever. And, you know, somebody who's in a similar situation is Spencer Howard, who the Phillies sent him down, but they also made it clear over the weekend that Spencer Howard, they look at this year at least as being a reliever. Like, he is not going to be a starter this season. Um, here were the guys talking about the uh, the situation that Vince Velasquez and Spencer Howard find themselves in being transitioned to more of a relief role. Going back to Vince Velasquez, who's out here for second inning of work. Yep. Um, so we'll get we'll get that one for you in a, a second here, where uh, here it is, Vince Velasquez and Spencer Howard both being transitioned to relievers. Obviously a ways to go, but Spencer Howard, very similar stuff with, with Vince, right? I mean, yeah. and, and them sending him down today to extend out just a little bit but be a reliever. I think is a big deal too. I, I for me, one thing with Spencer Howard, and I probably get a lot of arguments with this, is like take the gloves off, take the kid gloves off. I mean, fine, is he going to be hurt his whole career, mm-hmm. or is he going to get through it and don't and, enable it? Exactly. And I know with the talent like that, you you there, you have to be a little careful. I mean, you don't want to just throw him out there and just. But you know, at some point, he's going to have to pitch a hundred innings, hundred fifty innings in a year. It's yeah. You, you can't keep going at, you know, as a starter and throwing 100 innings. And, I mean, you, the experience, the, the innings going out there in the minor leagues, that's where you learn to get better, I think. And that's, I think, something he needs to do. And a guy like Vince, I mean, this is the first time that someone's behind him because technically Spencer's in that same type of role, yeah. right, that he, if he looks over his shoulder, someone could pass him. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, they are in similar situations right now, and, there's that idea that that as we look at Velasquez, uh, and we're spending a, probably more time on Vince Velasquez here than he deserves, considering what he's done. But I find him to be a very interesting player as somebody who's still been here. What, what is this? His fifth year with the club at this point, Mike? Sixth? Six. It's crazy. Um, but he's now moving fully to this bullpen role, and here we're. Uh, well, uh, I don't know about. Go, fully, no, go though. ahead. Yeah, I don't know about fully though. I think like. 
This could this could last like two weeks. It could. There's no, yeah, when when <laughs> the guys in front of you are Chase Anderson and Matt right. Moore, you know, Matt, all it takes is Matt Moore getting shelled twice, and who knows, Vince could be back in the rotation. Um, but here are the guys talking about Velasquez and the need for him to really accept this role as a relief pitcher. And it, you know, the thing too is with Vince or with anybody in that bullpen, it, you know, he wants to be a starter. He's not. With Spencer Howard, the same way. It's like throw over to first, the runner is back safely. You know, I I have to go out and do my job. I mm-hmm. I I have to be accountable and understand that if the Phillies are going to go anywhere in the playoffs, cool. it's going to take all twenty six. Yep. yep. You know, and and for these guys, the guys in in Vince's case, he's got to accept that fact that. Hey, I, I can be a big part of this. I can be a big part of it going forward. If he shuts a team down early in a game and they come back and win, and uh, because I, that is something that that starters don't like. Like starters do not like being moved to the bullpen. But at this point, you know, uh, I, I don't really believe that Vince Velasquez has any legs to stand on in that regard, considering his track record here. But uh, the Kingery move was really telling in many ways because I'm not sure that's a move the Phillies make in the past because they have been focused on, you know, developing guys, but also kind of justifying contracts and justifying moves. But uh, the Kingery move, I think, is is telling in terms of where this organization is and what they are truly looking to accomplish now because they are really in win-now mode. And here's one more um, from the broadcast group uh, talking about that Kingery move and what it means for the rest of the roster moving forward, what kind of message. Well, I think, you know, number one, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, but you you have guys that either have um, some kind of track record, they're owed a certain amount of money, they have experience, they might have pitched well this spring, and they're not going to be on this club come opening day. And I think it speaks to the, the level of competition, the 3-2, swung on and missed, breaking ball. But it should be a, a, an awareness for guys like Velasquez to say, look, I'm like this is not a rebuild situation. I'm not going to be given – I've already been given all my chances. Right. And I've either got to come through or I'll be out of a job. And, that, I mean, that to me, that's just it's part of being accountable. Of, of saying oh, and yeah. understanding that you know and saying I, I gotta go or get <laughs> off you know it's now uh and that that is the case and the Phillies I hope that message is being sent that you know these guys gotta earn it and they gotta perform because this team and we saw it um in the offseason and and the quote that Dave Dombrowski had last week where John Middleton basically decided this offseason, to John Middleton's credit, and he's a guy that we have been very critical of, and I think at the time, deservedly so. But John Middleton truly decided when he was going to hire Dave Dombrowski and he was going to spend the money that he spent this offseason on JT Romuto and D.D. Gregorius and Archie Bradley and strengthening the bullpen, that the winning time was now. And that's, to me, what this Scott Kingery move tells me more than anything is that patience is done. Like that time for building and waiting till next year is over. And that this time, this, that this team rather 
is focus on winning and winning right now. And it's what they need to do um, because it has been in many ways very disappointing the last two years. And, you know, Scott Kingery being sent down is the right thing for him. But in in, in the larger picture here, I think it's a message to the rest of the team and a message to the organization that the the failures and the disappointments will no longer be tolerated. That we are looking to win right now. And if you are not performing, you will not have your job very long. And that is commendable. And I hope that is the way they are moving forward. Because um, this team is under a lot of pressure coming into this season. They, yeah, they're in a difficult division, but when you have the type of payroll that they have, and you haven't made the playoffs in a decade, there is a lot of of, of pressure and expectations. And that's what the Scott Kingery move tells me more than anything, is that this team is intent on winning this season, and they should be. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. If you want to join the show, when we get back, um, the NFL is making a scheduling change. Uh, and we will uh, touch on that when we get back, let you know how it affects the Eagles. Uh, so we'll touch on that and uh, let you know about some opposition as well coming from players in the league regards this change. We'll get to that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. In for Big Daddy Graham. Another few segments here. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. If you want to give your expectations for the Phillies this year, we will do our, as I said, we'll do our picks over the next couple nights for baseball. Um, And, Mike, you're going to have to give some more future picks, some more over-unders. Because you're like, I'd say, one of the great baseball minds at the station. I mean, that... What do you? It's 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 Jack. I heard Glenn this morning calling Jack one of the great baseball minds at the station. I mean, a little overboard, you think? Definitely <laughs> overboard. Um, Jack, he uh, means I like Jack, but sometimes you you make a reference to something that happened in like 2003. There's no idea what you're talking about. How about Jack uh, interviewing Aaron Nola uh, for uh, you know alongside Glenn? Well, Glenn needed a blow. There you go. Yeah. So so. Uh yeah, great baseball mind. Jack Jack is a great baseball mind. See, I'm paying him a compliment. So, you know, hopefully we can. We I can think he wants to mend our fences here. He wants to be a great baseball mind. Is, is would you? Who would you say is a better baseball mind? You or Jack? Well, I'm just more experienced. I guess it's not fair. But you you weren't a, a, a big big college pitcher, were you? Neither was he. <laughs> I thought he did. <laughs> yes, he was. He was. I thought he, what, what, he, came in like, he came in like one. Yeah. I don't, okay. I, I guess I should read up on his career. I'm just, All I don't right, know well, for sure. Well, the way they talk about it doesn't seem like it was much. Anyway, yeah. you you got to get get your picks ready. Uh, so we I'll can get go. my picks ready. Sounds good. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. But I did want to mention this real quick in regards to football. Obviously, we've been talking a lot tonight about the Eagles and – um, their situation after the trade moving down from number six 
to number 12. But uh, big news in the NFL on uh, Sunday, as it was confirmed, and this is something we already knew was going to happen, but uh, it was made official on Sunday as the league will be expanding its schedule to go from 16 games to, to go from a 16 game season to a 17 game season. And um, this was to the chagrin of a lot of players in the league. Now, I understand why the players would be frustrated with it. You know, I get why you wouldn't want to play another game. I get the taxing nature that it takes on your body. And, you know, I'm conflicted as a fan because I like the way the league worked before. Like, I think it was uh, a good situation they had with 16. I'm just used to 16 games. Like, it's been 16 games for my entire life. It's just going to be weird doing predictions and, like, well, I think the Eagles are going to go 9-8 and eight this year. Like, it just sounds weird to say. Um, but I thought they had a good thing going with the 16 games. You had the scheduling uh, situation perfect where, you know, you have your six divisional games, then, you know, four against the one division, the NFC, four against the AFC, and then one in each, each uh, division um, based on where you finished last year. And now 17... It just throws it off a little bit. Um, But on the other hand, you know, as a football fan, it's hard to just not accept more football and say that's a good thing. Um, I do worry about more injuries and stuff like that. But, you know, it's conflicting in the end, though. As a football fan, I'm probably going to enjoy it more more than not having an extra week football. But a lot of players then were out complaining about it on Sunday. And it's like, you can't really complain. And one of them was Alvin Kamara, the running back for the Saints. And while I get you don't like it, the players did agree to this in the CBA last year. And when you agree, you don't really have a leg to stand on when you are complaining about the the games being extended to 17. And shocking, one of the guys who was complaining about it was Big Play Slay. Um, who also, did you see this, Mike? Big Play Slay was getting roasted by a lot of players on Twitter because apparently he's a big LeBron hater. I didn't know this. Um, and a lot of the... Uh, oh, yeah, he was... Yeah, a lot of guys were roasting him about LeBron. But, yeah, he overrates Kobe, and in doing so, he decides he needs to underrate LeBron. Okay, so he's 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 like a, he's like an, another Ike. Because that's what Ike does. Yeah, Ike, Ike yeah. hates LeBron, but it's really just because he, you know, the Kobe people are very jealous of LeBron. Because, I mean, I, I love Kobe, but LeBron is a greater all-time player. You know? I, uh, I it's, yeah. Yeah, it's not even really up for It's not up for debate. Um, it's it's like, actually, t- it's silly to me. That's LeBron MJ is a much better debate right. than LeBron Kobe. It's just not close. Um, but, so the way the 17th game will work, um, which it's kind of a weird formula. Uh, the formula that, that goes, and this is courtesy of our buddy uh, Shefty here. Um the AFC versus the NFC cross-conference matchup from two years ago. So, 2021 matchup based on the 2020 standings. Now, now I'm reading directly from Adam Schefter's tweet. Um, the four, for example, the four AFC West teams played the four NFC North teams in 2019. In 2020, Kansas City finished in first place in the AFC West, Green Bay first in the NFC North. So, in 2021... 
it will be those two facing each other. It's very confusing. Do you follow anything I said at all there? You know, just I'm kind of thinking this through, and I, I guess like an unintended thing of this is it kind of promotes tanking in a weird way. Like if, like if your season's over in week 15, because it makes it more important. To get an easier matchup. It makes it more impor- It's putting more emphasis on having a last place schedule hmm. more than ever before. That's a good point. Yeah, it is. Because, yeah, the Eagles now will play another last place team. Like, yeah. Because the way it goes is the AFC division they faced in 2019 was the, the East. Mm-hmm. The Jets were the worst team, so now the Eagles play the Jets this year. Where's so like, kind of a, a nice game there, even though maybe a little subplot if they're facing uh, Zach Wilson, who they apparently tried to get up and get. Yeah. So Maybe um, this is why the Eagles tanked. So they could get a Although better... They would have been behind the Cowboys. Well, anyway, they, right? they tanked. I mean, first... And also, I wanted to get to this. How dumb now does the stupid... <laughs> conversation about the tank and all the outrage over the how could the Eagles, how could they do this in week 17? How could they take Jalen Hurts out? Well, all the people were crying and bitching about that now. Are you all that upset that we got an extra first round pick out of it? If the Eagles don't tank in week 17, they don't get an extra first round pick. They end up with the ninth pick instead of the sixth pick. Therefore, they can't make the trade that gets them an additional first round pick next year. So can we stop you know, complaining about this tank was that, and I, I know people pretty much already stopped complaining about it, but that was of all the controversies that we have dealt with in this town. It was one of the dumbest. It was one of that was that was a dumb one. Like the outrage of people wanting to win a meaningless game to get the Giants in the playoffs. Like, I, who do we hate more in this town? The Washington football team or the Giants? I don't, I We hate the Giants more. I still don't think it's the worst. I view the Giants as, as, like I view the Cowboys. I, like, I, I, love I hate the people. Giants worse than the Cowboys. Yeah, I well I do too. I know we're in the minority there. But the amount of outrage amongst Eagles fans who were seemingly upset that the Eagles didn't try to get the Giants in the playoffs was one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Uh, we said at the time, if that was the Cowboys, people would be applauding it. It's like I don't get what the I, I still don't get it. I don't get any of it. And we got so extra, basically how he's right. So we basically got an extra first round pick out of it. And I still don't think that was a howie driven decision either. I think that was a real. Uh, I think that was a Doug decision where Doug was trying to do the best thing for the team and then ended up getting whacked anyway. What was it? What, what they was definitely it? talked about during the week. Can can we agree on that? Maybe, but I think the idea. I think the idea to play Sudfeld particularly yeah. was Doug's. Like, the Eagles making all those players inactive, that came from upstairs. <laughs> right. Like, no Miles Sanders, you know, no any of these guys. Like, that came from Howie. But I think the Sudfeld part of it was Doug. Does that make sense? <laughs> it does. I, it's March 29th, and here we are. Yeah, still we're talking. still talking about But this. I don't know if I actually gave my take on what happened. I think what happened was... Doug got greedy when they kept when they got like a turnover in the this is kind of fuzzy. They got a turnover in the red zone and they went for and, the fourth down. Yeah, I think Doug got greedy and was like, ah, you know, maybe Hertz can run another one in here. And he like maybe earlier in the in the third quarter he would have went to Sudfeld than than he well, than it actually happened. They should have just pulled Hertz at halftime, and then I don't think it would have been yeah. a big deal. But anyway, done with that conversation. I just wanted to throw that out there that you got the the Eagles a first round pick. So um, we shouldn't have been complaining about it. 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, I was hoping we'd hear from our buddy Tony tonight. He's got to amend his, his Eagles mocks now. What's up, Tony? 
Hey, what's up, TK? How you doing, man? Good. How you doing, man? Everything is okay. Um, I'm I'm looking at this draft. At first, I was upset with the move, but then I realized what the value is that we're getting for next year. There's some nice quarterbacks coming out next year, and they got speed too. Oh, so, so you, you like the to... you think maybe the Eagles can use some of those ones to move up next year? Well, it depends on on how Jalen Hurts comes along. Me, I think he's a little short, and he can't run a quarterback sneak. He, he he don't have enough strength in his legs, so that's the only issue I got with him. His arm is fine. I just don't think he got enough push because he's too small. So, I mean, if they don't like him after this year, then they can go for a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, that is that is um, part of what I, I think is valuable here, Tony, where you have three first-round picks, and now if you like one of the quarterbacks in next year's draft, the Eagles definitely will be able to move up if they want to. Yeah, here, here's what I'm going to do now. You're going to have a team full of Jalen's, right? But you got Jalen Waddle. Um, Jalen Hurts is going to be throwing to Jalen Waddle, Jalen Rager, and then a later round you can get um, Jalen Darden out of uh, North Texas. Wow, that'd be something, wouldn't it? That would be. So, so you like Waddle at twelve, Tony? You think yeah. he's the pick? Yeah, I take Waddle, second round pick. You got to get um, either Andre Cisco out of Syracuse, safety, or you got to get um, K. Darius Tony. Uh, because they're going to be gone if you don't pick them in the second round. Now, Tony, well, I, I got to go back to the first round with you real quick, Tony. So, uh, who do you who do you like more, Waddle or Smith? Because I've seen some people actually have Waddle ranked ahead of Devontae Smith. Yeah, because he's faster. Right. He, he's faster. And the only thing that concerns me about Waddle is he's coming off an ankle injury, and you don't know how them ankle injuries can heal. Right. You know, but Devontae Smith also has some injuries. If He was nicked up. But as far as speed, um, Waddle's a burner. Waddle's like a um, 4.3 speed. So you got to go with Waddle if you want the speed to stretch the field. Yeah. Who are some of the other guys you have there at 12? Do you think any of those? Uh, Micah, Micah Parsons. Okay. I, I doubt if he dropped that far, but some drafts are saying that. Do you have uh, uh, so, either Sertan or, or J.C. Horn there at 12? Well, I don't 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 pick J.C. Horn. You don't like him? It's too, that's it's okay. not that I don't like him. It's too high. Okay. And plus, he's not rate. He he's more like a um like a late first rounder in the twenties. Don't pick J C Horn at thirteen. If you're going to pick somebody that high, you get Caleb Farley or Patrick Satan. Okay, sounds good. Okay, my first my first choice is Wallo, then Parsons, and then after that, because Caleb Farley got injuries. He he's he. I think he um been on the injury list. If you're going to go Sertan, Sertan don't have no injuries. Then you got Caleb Farley if you want to drop down a little more. But that's my first round picks. I wasn't sure if you wanted me to go into the other rounds. Uh, let's save the other rounds for another night, Tony. How about that? Okay. All right. All right. Appreciate okay. your first down, yeah. first uh, round review, though, man. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Um, so yeah. So well, you're saying Mike Micah Parsons doesn't fit the Eagles' vision, Mike? Yeah. I mean, he chose not to play. That's not a guy that loves ball. Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, I, I I do wonder if, if, if that would factor in because um, I've, we know one of the, what, four core principles or whatever the hell it is Sirianni said, you got to love ball. And if you opted Coach out is all season, ball all the time. If you opted out of the season, you might not love ball. So <laughs> that how he got so good. Yeah. Well, the, 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 uh, this mock draft I'm looking at, Tony, you know, didn't seem to like that J.C. Horn move, but I'm seeing Chad Reuter – um, he actually asked J.C. Horn going to the Eagles at 12. J.C. Horn, uh, the son of former Saints receiver Joe Horn. 
Uh, that's pretty much all I know about it. And I did see him play against Auburn. It was very good that game. I think that was his best game of the year. Um, but, you know, there are going to be players there. I mean, this mock draft I'm looking at now um, says Horn going 12, Devontae Smith going 13, Waddle going 15. So I think when the Eagles move down and, you know, his um, uh, Tony's guy Farley going 16. So I think you look at, at the Eagles moving down, there's still going to be good players there at 12. This is a, a, a pretty stacked first half of the first round. And honestly, I don't think the drop-off between 6 and 12 is going to be as big as, as a lot of people do. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. When we get back, we will hear from Gabe Kapler. Gabe, check in. That's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. Another couple segments left here before we uh, check in with Al on the Overlap Show. Time to check in with Gabe Kapler. We did our Phillies check-in earlier. Now we'll check in with uh, the former manager, uh, Gabe Kapler. Gabe getting ready for opening day in Scottsdale, Arizona in the, the Cactus League. Um, how is, how are the Giants doing in the Cactus League, by the way, Mike? Do you know? Are they, uh, don't are know. they performing well? Uh, don't know off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, what is, uh, well, so first off, where was Gabe, uh, speaking at, uh, this time? New podcast wasn't familiar with called Out of the Park Baseball. How'd you find it? How'd you track it down? I, sir, this is my process of, uh, searching for <laughs> well, I was, don't, I don't want to, I don't want to expose your process. Okay. So don't it's go pretty simple. Yeah. I just search for Gabe. Okay. <laughs> I'm really excited to talk to you. All right, so what did Gabe have to say? All right, so uh, right away, I thought this host, uh, Richard, was uh, him being starstruck by Gabe. I thought this was kind of funny. You and I got to know a little, got to know each other a little bit uh, early last year in 2020, and I was just struck by how genuine and friendly and and honest and transparent of a person you are and uh i'm just i'm i'm a huge fan of yours and i'm a huge fan of the giants now i mean i'm a lifelong mets fan right i'm not i can't deny that but i mean i have been <laughs> i've been transformed into a giants fan in fact you know i it was all i could do last year gabe not to text you after every single win i'm like all right i don't want to be that guy who's constantly badgering you but i did I did text you a little bit here and there during the season after some big wins, just letting you know how excited I was for you. Hopefully it wasn't too many times. I wasn't spamming your, your cell phone too much. No, you're, you're incredibly respectful. I think you, you understand the balance well. But one of the things that you just said kind of stood out um, about the Mets, and, and in particular I realized that um, I don't know what era of Mets you were a fan of. So – that guy was such a fan of Gabe that he became a Giants fan. And Gabe wants to know what era of Mets yeah. is his favorite team. What yeah. was that noise in there? That sounded it sounded like, like it was Gabe was Gabe, driving. Yeah, was he riding a motorcycle or something? Well, maybe he passed on, it sounded like. Yeah, a lot of noise in the background there. All right, well, what else do we have today? Uh, one other one, just to get out on this one. Uh, Gabe, uh, they asked him if he's like always oh, just been a baseball guy. And Gabe's like, no, 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 I'm a, I'm a well-rounded sportsman. Here, This is Gabe just kind of talking about his... Uh, I guess his 
growing up, his childhood experience with sports? So as a kid, I would I would play anything on the playground. If if there was a ball and there was a stick, or there was <laughs> a chance to, to run with a ball or throw it in a hoop, something like that. It didn't really matter. I would do any of it. And um, I didn't really think of myself as like an exclusive baseball player until a little bit, a little bit later on. Um, and, and to this day, football is probably my, my favorite sport. And specifically the NFL. I, I think the NFL is a really exceptional product. It's just got the biggest, strongest, fastest, most agile, most trained up athletes anywhere. So I, I could watch... I can watch the NFL anytime. Um, I don't have to have anything on the line or anything invested. I can just watch a game. But I, I was a baseball player for sure by the time I was like five or six years old. And I, I did a lot of it. And I had plastic bats and balls as, as early as I can remember. Um, I considered myself an athlete, but... I recognized by the time I was in, in middle school that I probably wasn't going to be tall enough or, or fast enough or, or more pow- powerful enough to play basketball or football, which I love. So I played pickup basketball and continue to play pickup basketball now. But, um, but baseball was a sport that I excelled in and that I loved. And just dating back to our, our conversation a little bit earlier, um, was passionate about Major League Baseball and following Major League Baseball and collecting baseball cards from the time I was five, five or six years old. It's, yeah, it, it's certainly embedded in me, um, and, I, and I've always loved the, support, the sport. And who, who knew? So Gabe wasn't just a baseball. He also loved football and loved ball. Gabe's a, he loves ball. Yeah. Coaches all ball all the time. <laughs> there you go. Uh, he could play for Nick Sirianni. That's one of Nick Sirianni's requirements. You got to love ball. Well, uh, Gabe's one son is a pretty good high school player. It sounds like so. Uh, follow. Like, I wonder if uh, you know he can get a scholarship or something. Yeah, maybe. So we'll see. Um, but that was the Gabe check-in. Uh, we'll see if there's anything from Gabe later this week as he leads up to this season. Um, and as I said, we'll do our uh, baseball preview over the next couple nights as well. Two one five five nine two. 9494 if you want to get in, 215-592-9494. Time to squeeze in a few calls uh, before we get out of here if you would like to. Um, when we get back, uh, we will recap some of the things we've been discussing over the course of the night. We'll also recap uh, what happened in the Sweet 16 over the weekend and give you our picks for the first uh, couple games of the Elite Eight coming up tonight. So uh, we'll do that coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for one more segment here. Uh, if you want to get in 215-592-9494, some of the things we've been discussing tonight, obviously uh, the Eagles' big trade from Friday. Uh, first time I've been on since then. And um, I don't know how you can argue with the logic of the move. Like, I understand that, you know, as a fan, you might not necessarily like team moves down, um, you know, is maybe not going to get 
Jamar Chase now, the wide receiver from LSU. Uh, you know, maybe not get one of the big names, but for a team in the Eagles situation that is clearly and admittedly looking in the long term, this was the right move. I mean, you look historically, the difference between the 6-12 and 12 pick is not as stark as you would think. And you look at the draft specifically this year, the first half of the first round, that top 15-16, it's pretty loaded with talent. And the Eagles are going to get a good player at 12. Like, there are going to be good players available at positions that they need, whether it be wide receiver or corner or linebacker. And they're going to have that potential to get a real quality player at that spot, to move down six spots and pick up another first-round pick next year is a smart decision. It is. And when you look at what Howie Roseman has done this offseason, he has basically taken the worst quarterback in the league last year in Carson Wentz, along with a Week 17 loss in a meaningless game, and he spun those into two future first-round picks. And you can not like Howie. You can think he is bad at drafting, and that's hard to argue uh, after the last couple years. But he is good at a lot of aspects of this job. And I would argue for a team that has struggled drafting over the last couple years, the best way to correct that is to give yourself more opportunities. Give yourself more picks. You look at teams that have rebuilt recently in the NFL. Cleveland. Miami. They have done it. Not because they've hit on all their picks. But because they've had such a large volume of picks that they've been able to absorb their misses. That's been the Eagles. One of just as big an issue has been uh, of their of them missing. Just as big an issue as them missing on picks has been the fact that they haven't had many picks. They've been dealing for years with the 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 deficit that was created by trading up for Carson Wentz. Now they enter this year's draft with 11 picks, more than anybody else in the NFL. Three first-round picks next season. After this year, after you're done with the Carson Wentz contract, you pay the, the, the penalty this year, and then there's a ton of cap room for this team moving forward. So you might not like Howie Rosen, but he's done a good job this offseason. He's done a good job of working this team out of a difficult situation and putting them in a spot where they can succeed moving forward in the long term. And trading down was the right move for this football team. So we've been discussing that, um, discussing the Phillies as well. As we lead up to opening day, big news on Sunday as they send Scott Kingery down. Um, he will not start with the Major League roster, and I think it's a, a real message to everybody on this roster and in that organization that this is a team that is hell-bent on winning this year, that they are tired of missing the playoffs, they are tired of, of mediocrity, and they are, are truly, truly looking at this as a make-or-break season. Roster pretty much finalized. Um, Ronald Torres and Brad Miller will make the team as reserves in the infield. Matt Joyce will make it as an outfielder, and now one spot remains. And I'm assuming this decision will be made today, and I'm sure we'll talk about it at length on the show tomorrow. Um, 
but two spots for three players at this point. Adam Hazley, Roman Quinn, and Odubel Herrera. And it is a fascinating decision that the Phillies are in. Um, I mean, I personally would go with Hazley and Herrera. I think they're the two guys who have earned it. Um, I'm kind of done with the Roman Quinn experiment. I don't think he's an MLB player. How do you think this all shakes out, Mike? Seth, we'll get to you in a second. But, um, Mike, how do you think this all shakes out with the remaining outfielders? I actually think that they may buy themselves some time by putting Hazley on the DL to start. Okay. he's That's a logical a logical way to go. He's gone. He's two for nine since he's come back. You know, not, not terrible, not great. Um, I mean, look, Herrera's, Herrera's the best option of the three of them if, if they're serious, serious about winning. Jim Salisbury was on with Glenn Ray Saturday, and I, I heard him say that the the baseball people prefer Herrera. And they just they just have to you know talk to ownership and work out the forty man roster thing and you know but I I assume ownership knew this is a possibility so I'm not really sure what there is to talk about. Well, that's the thing they they put themselves in this position like if you didn't want to double Herrera you shouldn't have brought him back to camp like when you brought him back to camp without any other legitimate option you opened yourself to this possibility and based on performance he's performed better than the other outfit. And I'm not saying he's lit the world on fire because he hasn't. I mean, he, he's hit some home runs and he's hit for power. Um, but, you know, his average isn't off the charts or anything. But, you know, when your chief competition is Roman Quinn, right. who can't and hit. Kingery. Right. And Kingery, who hit, what, 159 in the spring? Um, you know, uh, oh, there's a legit chance Oduble wins that job. And, and um, we'll see what decision the Phillies end up making. The other big demotion was Jojo Romero, kind of surprising there, that he goes down to AAA. Uh, as you said, Mike, David Hale, uh, yeah. uh, kind of surprised he made the team over over Jojo Romero, and now that leaves you with just uh, one lefty with Alvarado in the pen. So I was wondering if, um, so one of the reasons, well, he, had a, he had a bad end of spring training, but Tony Watson, one of the reasons yeah. that they moved on from him was they had to guarantee him $3 million, basically, for the whole season if if they kept him and they had to notify him if they were going to keep him, they, they obviously said no. That's why they cut him. I wonder, I don't know how the waivers, like how maybe many they could bring him back. Week. Yeah, maybe yeah. they, because I'd bring him back for let, obviously like the minimum, not for three million. Right. Yeah, that's a possibility. Um, because, you know, you're going to need another lefty. And was R- Romero, he wasn't that bad, right? I'm surprised no, he, he didn't awesome. make it. He's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Maybe just to get some seasoning down there or. I don't um, know if maybe it's a contract manipulation thing. I don't know. It it could also be, uh, you know, maybe they don't think all their starters are stretched out enough yet. They might need innings from Hale early in the season. Maybe that's part of it. Could be. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, interesting. We'll see how it all shakes out on uh, either Monday or Tuesday here. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Seth and Darby. What's up, Seth? Yo, what's going on, guys? Thanks How's it for going? having me on. No problem. How's it going? Good, good, man. Um, just wanted to talk some Eagles here, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. Um, so, I, people keep complaining, man. I mean, everywhere I go, people complain, and we didn't have this. We had the sixth pick. We had this. We had that. Dude, I think it's a genius move. I mean, you look at what we gave up for Wentz a couple years ago, all them picks. We got a first-round pick back for him, potentially. We got a first-round pick for moving back. Like, I just think with all the holes we have on this team, it only made sense that Howie – did something like this to try to get us out of this hole. Now, am I a Hallie Roseman fan? No, by no means. But the fact that he got us all this potential and first-round picks, 
I'm happy about it, man. I think it's a great move, and I think moving forward it'll help us a lot. Yes, yeah, Seth. Yeah, like you said, Seth, and I'll let you keep going, but yeah, I mean, like you said, with the holes they have on the roster, it makes a lot of sense to, to get more picks. Yeah, 100%. I mean, do I trust? Now, this is the next part of it. Do I trust Howie to make the right picks? That is the big question mark. Now, at six, I thought it was pretty much 100%. You, It's hard to kind of miss that, that kind of talent there. Right. But I'm looking at, you know, we always look every year and we always have our draft boards every year. All these guys online have their draft boards. Are are they ever accurate? No, right? No. So really. we know that we're going to have a couple of these big names, Devontae Smith, Kyle Pitts, Mike Mika Parsons, Sertan. We know we're going to have a couple of these guys slide down. And I guarantee at 12, if the Giants and the Dallas don't take them right before us because they're just out of spite, they don't want us to have the player. But if they slide down to us, we have potential to get somebody like that. Now, my only problem is you guys were just on saying that we took J.C. Horn ahead of a Devontae Smith and a Jalen Waddle. Is that, is that my correct? That was, that was just, yeah, somebody's mock draft had that, yeah. Got you, got you. So, in my opinion, man, it's the best the best player available. So I think Devontae Smith, now I know we need CBs really bad, but I think if you Devontae Smith is there, dude, you got to grab him. If he's there at 12, that's a godsend you got to grab him. Yeah, no, I, and I appreciate it, Seth. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I mean, Devontae Smith had a great year in college. I don't, I'm a little weary of him. I, well, this is the thing with Devontae Smith. Like, I wouldn't have been sold on him at six, but at 12, yeah. Like, I'm all in for him at 12. Like, at 6, I would have been disappointed if you didn't get Jamar Chase. Um, but at 12, I think it's worth it because he's he's a smaller guy. Uh, kind of broke out this past year. Um, but um, at 12, I, I definitely take him. I mean, Waddle as well, the other Alabama receiver, uh, I'd be open to him. And, yeah, whether it's either of those guys, Sertan, the other Alabama corner, um there are going to be a lot of options for you at a position you need. Uh, and I think the Eagles are in a good spot still at 12 with picking up that pick next year. And uh, to close it out tonight, uh, let's do our little Sweet 16 recap here. And we'll do our Elite 8 picks. Mike, how did you do with your selections this weekend? I did not do very well. Uh, so I still have two of my, I've, I mean, I have my two finals still going with the Gonzaga and Baylor. I was disappointed by our boy Nate Oates. I was Crimson Tide. Yeah, well let's let's start with the Saturday action first. I was I was disappointed by uh Loyola Chicago, Chicago rather and Krutwig, even though I was pleased to see Sister Jean eliminated from the NCAA tournament. Of course. Um Oregon State knocks off Loyola Chicago. That was an ugly game. Especially the yeah. first half, Loyola Chicago. They went scoreless for what less six minutes of the first half in that one. Well, what would you call those kind of affairs? You call them rock, rock fights, fight. right? Yes, yeah. that's what you call it. You call- um, but Oregon State, real Cinderella run for them uh, as they win sixty-five fifty-eight. They will take on uh, Baylor, right? In, in the no, or- they're taking on. Uh, they're on the other side of the bracket, right? In- oh, okay. Uh, I'm, now I'm totally lost. I don't have my bracket in front of me here. Are they playing Arkansas? I think they're playing Houston. Yeah, they're okay. 
So they'll take on Houston. Um, Houston, by the way, that was a surprising one as well. I thought I really like Syracuse in that game. I thought Syracuse would cover and maybe even win that one. Uh, but Buddy Beheim uh, did not have the magic in this one. Um, I saw that video. Sir, did you see the video circulating from like 18 years ago where he's chasing Carmelo around the Syracuse locker room as like a no. toddler? It was no. pretty funny. Um, but Houston knocks off Syracuse 62-46. The zone was not successful in this one. Really, really ugly game. Buddy Buckets, just I think one for nine from three. Yeah, so uh, that that'll be the matchup in that region. Uh, Baylor Villanova. Villanova. It looked like they were going to pull off a huge upset for a while there. Then in like the last seven minutes, Baylor just stormed past them. That was locked in defense. Uh, yeah, it really was. I mean, I still thought it was a pretty impressive performance for Villanova to stay as tight as they did for as long as they did mm-hmm. um, without Gillespie. But um, Baylor ends up winning that one, sixty-two fifty-one. They'll take on Arkansas. Probably game of the weekend. Well, the game is Saturday. Uh, Arkansas over Oral Roberts, 72-70. Such a shame. I thought that shot by that Oral Roberts kid, um, it looked looked good. It looked good out of his hands. That would have been a remarkable, remarkable moment. Um, So Arkansas gets that win, your boy Muscleman. The must bus keeps going, yeah. Um, Disappointing for Oral Roberts. Yeah, I mean, it it was nice. I mean, you and I, I think, both pointed out uh, that, like, plus 10.5 was way too many points, right? Yeah. So that was an easy cover. That, yeah. game, that, that cover was never in doubt. No, never. Um, in the games on Sunday, Gonzaga, Mike, you were right about that. You told me coming into this tournament that Gonzaga is just going to easily win it. and They have won every game easily so far. They knock off Creighton 83-65. Creighton was a fraud, though, anyway. Yeah. Um, but they win that one easily. Uh, they'll take on USC, who knocked off Oregon. I didn't see a second in this game. Um, 82-68, the final there. USC has dominated this matchup uh, both times they've met this year. This this game wasn't really a game. They're, USC is just better than Oregon. Oregon wasn't really that great. But uh, USC against Gonzaga, I think they're going to give them a little bit of a game here. Okay. More than Creighton did. Creighton did for like 12, 15 minutes. I think USC will take it beyond halftime. I think Mobley, the, you know, he makes this interesting. Uh, he's probably the... If he's not going to go one, he'll go two or three. So, you know, if, if people out there are looking for a lottery guy. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they'll give him a good game. Sounds good. Uh, Michigan-Florida State. Uh, Jawan Howard, Phil Martelli, and the Wolverines get the win. 76-58 as Florida State goes down. Um, and then the game of the weekend, UCLA-Alabama. UCLA. UCLA got in a playing game, didn't they? Over yeah. Michigan State. They were yeah. down, what were they down? By like 14? Yeah, Um, and a thrilling end to regulation as Alabama hits a three at the buzzer, which I don't know what Mick Cronin was doing not fouling there. Why are you not fouling in that spot? Um, But Alabama makes a three, and then UCLA, I missed the overtime. They scored 23 points in five minutes of overtime. You mean missed the overtime? You saw the shot and you just missed the overtime? Yeah, I I had been uh, napping because, as you know, I – I'm yeah. doing a double. I did the Phillies game in the afternoon, so I was napping. I woke up. I saw the end of regulation. Then I tried to go back <laughs> to sleep. Like, Let me wait five minutes. Nah, and see you know it didn't. It didn't mean enough to me to stay up the watch. Yeah, no. I mean, it, uh, UCLA dominated the overtime. It. I don't. Alabama may not have scored for the first two or three minutes of it. It. They were down seven like pretty quickly. And disappointing for for your guy Nate Oates. Yeah, Nate very Oates. disappointing loss. So UCLA will take on. 
uh, Michigan. Um, by the way, UCLA as a player on their team looks exactly like Kevin Hayes from the Flyers. Exactly. Uh, Javier? I don't know what his name is, but his face looks exactly the same. Uh, so Elite Eight picks. Let's do our picks for tonight, Mike. Houston, Oregon State. I'm done doubting Oregon State. Like, that's a seven-and-a-half-point line. Uh, I'm, I'm taking Oregon State to cover. Totally it. with you. That's too big of a line. That should be like four-and-a-half. Yeah, I mean, I thought Loyola Chicago was going to cover the seven against them, and that game wasn't really close. They play really good defense. Wayne Tinkle. Uh, I, I like that. That That's a good coach's name there. Um, and then you got Arkansas and Baylor. Baylor giving up eight. Arkansas, they better stop this habit they're getting in of falling down by double digits in every game they play. They do that in this one. They're going to get blown out. What a crazy I don't, stat, I don't know though, if that I, they that they always like nine out of ten or whatever it is that they win. Yeah, something like that. But I don't know if I take this one either way. Um, you know, because uh, Baylor Baylor wasn't overly impressive against Nova, but I guess they did end up covering. What do you think here, Mike? I think Baylor covers. I think Baylor is. Uh, I think Baylor is destined to win that side of the bracket. Okay, go to the final. Well, my play is Oregon. My play is Oregon State. I do like Oregon State plus seven and a half. So uh, we'll see how those games go. Give you our picks for the Tuesday games uh, tomorrow. Do you want to hear a? Uh, I think I heard this on Van Pelt. Uh, seven of the eight elite eight teams remaining are west of the Mississippi, which has never wow. happened before. Really? Wow, that's a fascinating stat. Thank Conference you for of Champions, Pac twelve coming through. Yeah, how about that? Uh, so. That is our uh, recap and preview, Um, and that'll do it for the show tonight. Be back on tomorrow, talk more Phillies and and, uh, more fallout from the Eagles trade, everything going on. So uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you to Mike Angelina for producing. Next up, uh, we'll talk to Al for the Overlap Show. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.